J'aime ta couleur café, tes cheveux café, ta gorge café. J'aime quand pour moi tu danses, alors j'entends murmurer tous tes bracelets, jolis bracelets. À tes pieds ils se balancent. quand même fou l'effet, l'effet que ça fait de te voir rouler. Ainsi des yeux et des hanches, si tu fais comme le café, rien qu'à m'énerver, rien qu'à m'exciter. Ce soir la nuit sera blanche. So as not to uh, waste any more jokes or yuck yucks before the show, uh, let's kick it off here. First of all, I have to admit, guys, um, I am so, I'm a little worried I might be half-assing this one because I don't know about you, but my life has been extremely crazy lately. Work has been very, very busy, and I've had a lot of... The thing I love most about my job is that I can do it really well and do the podcast too, and... Mm-hmm. Both those things being super busy at once has been really overwhelming. And so I um, I didn't have much time to write up all the funny, cute notes that I would normally write up for this thing. So I might be leaning on you guys to to land the plane. I, um, I'm just really busy. Well, you know how you handle the, the really busy. You just get this stuff. <laughs> he's, he's holding up a bottle of Ernbrew, everybody. Ah. Which is, do you know what that is, Andy? I am not familiar with Urn Brew. Tell us what it is, Yad. So it is a citrus flavored drink, and it looks, oh, it's orange colored. It's not orange flavored, but yeah. it's citrus. Some people think it's bubblegum tasting, hmm. but it outsells both Coca Cola and Pepsi in Scotland. Oh, huh. the only, yeah. one of the only countries in the world where Coca Cola cannot be the number one seller. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scotland loves its urn brew. It's it reminds me a little bit of. Do you guys have do you have Verners up there in Minneapolis, Andy? Is that like a root beer? No, Verners uh, is kind of like a gingery, more gingery ginger ale. Uh, I think I've seen it like at a Whole Foods or something. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's this locate. It's this local specialty drink to Scotland that um, it's pretty good. I've had it when I'm out there. Too. you don't really get it anywhere else but yan is like addicted to this stuff the time we went to the bar i should say the pub in was it glasgow when we met up yeah. with graham mm-hmm. from hipsway and andy summers mm-hmm. i was just having coke after coke after coke and yan was just having Urn brew Urn after, i know i'm trying to say it right i am brew that's what it looks like yeah it yeah. sounds like you know from young frankenstein frau blue that's, <laughs> that's, that's, well, the, that's the iron comes from it does actually have iron in it ah okay so that's what it is okay yeah. so yeah i uh just work's been nuts in fact i've been one of the things that's been making one of the many things that's been making it nuts is this particularly large deal i've been working on for weeks and i found out thursday afternoon that 
it's probably not, it's not going to be mine ultimately anyway. Mm. And so all the time and effort and sweat equity I put in this huge deal is not going to benefit from it, but whatever, that's how it goes. Mm. And in fact, I wanted to say, I want to give a, <laughs> I want to give an apology to one of our listeners, uh, Sammy Khan. I hope it's Khan. It's K-O-H-N. It's either Khan or Cohn, but I assume it's Khan. And I love Sammy. I've obviously never met him, but he's been good to us for years. And he and I correspond on social media all the time. And we were interacting on something on Twitter the other day. And it's one of those things where either I'm driving and like half and also sort of responding to Twitter. Or I'm watching a show or I'm, I don't remember what I'm on a work call, whatever it is, but I'm only like half paying attention to Twitter. And I merged his first and last name and called him Sonny. And uh, he was like, Sonny, what? And, and you don't know me well enough to know my name's Sammy. And I just felt so dumb after that. Like, I'm sorry, man. My brain is mush. So anyway, sorry, Sammy, for getting it wrong. How are you guys doing? What's new with you? Well, anyways, I'll show off my new T-shirt. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Yes. Courtesy of Ben Montgomery, the uh, fake John Lamoro. <laughs> I call <laughs> So the shirt, I've been meaning to get one of those. Of course, Ben's a good pal. Um, that's a great looking shirt. When'd you get that? Uh, he uh, he sent this in the mail to me. Uh, oh gosh, probably a couple months ago now. Along with our uh, our other buddy Brad Page, the legendary uh, Brad. Brad Page. Yes, yes, of course. I'm in love with that song podcast. A member of the Pantheon Network, John. Are oh you a my of gosh! The yes, Network? gosh! Thank you for saying that, Andy. I forget to mention that all the time, and I feel bad. You do. I don't. I don't know that we're even fully 100% in need to. It's one of those things that I just keep putting on the back burner. Yes. Thank you, Pantheon. I know they, I don't know what exactly we, how deep into the Pantheon pod, podcast network we are. I know they share some of our episodes. Thanks guys. Do. I got booted out of the Slack channel for them yeah. a while ago. Something happened. So I got hacked or something and I've never remembered to get back into the Slack channel and because I got to change my password and stuff. And uh, so I feel terrible. I just, have it, been... it's Eddie O one. Eddie O one. That's it. That's, yes, thank password, you. that's yes. my password. Thanks a lot. Or, or Bowie 64 or something. Uh, I don't, I should admit oh, this. I probably, Oh, you're back. Yeah. Back, back for now. <laughs> we'll yeah, give him 15 minutes. Carrying on without. Yeah, that's fine. It just completely shut off. Just, uh, Next thing I know, I'm looking at the Apple logo on my laptop. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, hello. John John was insulting you. I was defending your honor, Sue. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You so. can leave all this in, by the way, yeah. And I like this kind of color is good, you know. <laughs> you can you can hyper edit the episodes with actual real rock stars, but when it's just us, you can leave them be. I think people like the color. You know, and a um, quick question for you. Are you in fact right-handed or are you a lefty? Right. Okay. Because okay. you are called the right hand man. And I would have found it <laughs> ironic if you were a lefty <laughs> that John calls you the right hand man. All I would time. have to change that up. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to, and, yeah. And, and another, and a question for you, John, at the end of every episode, when you, when you mention, you know, Yan the man, the right hand man, you also <laughs> say you love us, but do you truly love your fans? Or I'm not, I'm your friends. We don't use, fans. I love most of them. Yeah. Most yeah. of them. Okay. Except Sunday. No. Yeah. I, yes. <laughs> freaking screw sonny or sammy or whatever his freaking name is anyway sorry sammy no yeah. yes of course i do i try okay. to keep it positive you know yeah. Yeah. i um 
I tell my guests I love them. I tell the listeners I love them. I tell I'm a, if I knew you in person, I'm not just a hugger. I'm a squeezer, you know? So, yeah, I try to keep it really positive. Okay. This is a happy place. Yeah. Okay, a couple other house cleaning things. Alex Alt from the Sly Dog Music Podcast was here in town a couple of weeks ago. It was good to see him. Um, I, I felt kind of bad. He, I, We were going to go to dinner. In fact, we were going to meet up with Loose Cannon, too, from Covers and Fire, but he couldn't make it at the last minute. Yeah, lucky and, you. Um, yeah, <laughs> Devin's great. Uh, anyway, um, Alex said he wanted either fried chicken or barbecue. And there's this great barbecue place by my house. And we went, but it was near the end of the night. I think they were going to close pretty soon. And yep. so it felt like we got sort of whatever was still left laying around. And I want to <laughs> say it at the moment because I was embarrassed. I mean, bad barbecue is still good barbecue. You know what I mean? Sure. But I felt like I had talked it up. And I did this same thing to Brad Page when he came through town <laughs> for lunch. He wanted to go to an Indian buffet. And I was really starting to get into this weird little Indian restaurant by my house. And we go and it's not very good. But it's one of those things where no one wants to say anything. You know, Brad's like, oh, this is great. But he doesn't mean it, you know. Yep. So anyway, I, I am. I pride myself on being able to recommend good things. And I think I've blown it twice now. I can say, John, the pizza place you took me to was outstanding. That's the same uh, pizza place I took Yan to. Oh, you know? there we go. Yeah, Enzo's. That's my favorite. Yeah, good. What you, need, what you need to go to is the where was the place we went to with Becky and her husband? Oh, that they're out of. They didn't make it through COVID. That's Jim and Nick's. Mm. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, they uh, they closed down over COVID. It's a shame. They were great too. Oh my gosh, <laughs> really good barbecue. Yeah. And it was nice to see Alex Alt when he came back to your house and I was in the front yard. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. You, 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 I was you looking, <laughs> I was trying to look through the basement window into your laundry room, John, as I've known to do ever since you moved out of the back bedroom and down into the laundry room. In the oh my gosh. So this is funny. So, okay. So the, the, uh, I picked him up at his hotel and, the directions from his hotel to the restaurant we went to, I my house was like a block or two off that street. So I said, well, I'll just drive you past my house and show you where I live. And so we drive by the house and I said, see, that's where I live, right over there. And he goes, oh, and there's Andy Shaw up in the tree. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> so, uh, so Alex likes to visit Podcast Cities, copyright Brian Lennon. Oh, there you uh, go. Uh, yes, our friend Brian Lennon over at the uh, Permanent Record Podcast. Nice. Likes to uh, gives me shit for uh, going <laughs> around the country to visit my podcast friends. So um, I'm going to go to his neck of the woods and see him in three weeks, two weeks, oh. something like that. Are you, I, you're not coming, right? No, nope. no. Yeah. Well, I'll get more into this later, but well, I'll explain. Anyway, I'm going to Philadelphia at the beginning of November for a couple of days. And uh, I'll tell you more about it later. Okay. Anyway. And I felt really bad for Alex because the next day he had like a 16 hour drive. I believe Oof. he was driving from Denver to San Diego. Oof. My gosh. Uh, I don't, anyway, I don't know how he did it, but anyway, thanks Alex for stopping by second. And then another thing I wonder, Oh, what were you saying? Yen? That's, that's just like a appetizer drive. That is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Farrah would, choke me to death if she had to be in a car with me for 16 hours especially if i was playing dj 
um, Alex gets to play DJ a lot on these drives. And I, I did that in the first year or two of my marriage and I realized how unhappy it made Para. And so we stopped. And so now I just listen to podcasts on my headphones <laughs> and tune out. She does whatever she wants. Do you, okay. rem- you remember when I originally did my shoulder? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. I drove from Wichita to Boise. Oh, after a full day? day after a full day of work. Oh my gosh. And I wanna. Uh, okay, a couple other things real quick I want to mention. Number one, we were featured in, in a documentary, Yan. Um, I didn't know about this. One of our listeners, Thomas Helmick. Hope I'm saying that right, Thomas. Thank you for alerting me to this. Um, I never would have known. There's a new documentary on CCR on Netflix. The first half of the document of the show is a documentary on them, and the second half is a concert that they did in London. And um, Thomas posted or commented or something uh, and said, "Hey, congrats on being featured in the." ccr documentary and i was like what i mean i didn't even know about this and i didn't even know if i believed him so i watch and there's this one you know like a 10 second snippet about them playing woodstock and i could tell i don't remember every word of every interview that i've ever done but i could tell by the sound quality that it came from our show back in the days when i would record on a conference line and um sure enough it's Stu talking about playing and, it, and it, I don't hear my voice, but I hear his voice, and it's from us. And there we are in the credits, kind of like the Hall, the Hall of Fame. Yep. So little by little, Yan, we're getting a little more famous every day, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, how awesome is that? Totally. Totally. I am surprised no one told us or offered to pay us. I don't mind. I mean, it's I, I should pay them to be included in a documentary like that. But it uh, the, the Rock Hall told us ahead of time so i i assume that's how it worked but it didn't it didn't work that time oh, anyway. I, don't, I don't care about getting paid for that stuff i don't either the recognition yeah it's cool i agree um okay one last little thing and this is a fairly new thing i'm curious if anyone out there has ever heard of an app or a game called music league do you know what this is hmm. no so uh, my buddy jeff invited me to this um just a few days ago it's a, it's an app for your phone and you get a bunch of your people of your friends together and you sort of, you create a league and there's an admin and there are, I think in our case, there's like five topics. So this first topic, of course, most of us on the thing are Mormons. And so the first topic relates to, okay, you are walking across the plains for the next several months. Mormon pioneers, and you can only hear one song the entire trip. What is your song? And there's like 20 people in our group, and you copy and paste a link to the song off of Spotify. It creates a playlist, Hmm. and then everyone goes in and listens to the playlist and votes on what songs they think are the best. And you, as you can imagine, me, I'm terrible at these games because I way overthink everything because I think. You spent three weeks working on which song you were going to pick, right? Basically, yeah. 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 In fact, tonight, the next one goes out, and it's um, choose a song that inspires you spiritually that is not a church song. And, Mm. I mean, I get inspired spiritually by a lot of weird things, or spiritually in the sense that, like, they, they, I feel them very strongly, not necessarily, like, it's not spiritual, like, God-related or whatever, but... (laughs) Anyway, I'm still stewing over this. And then, and I picked, <laughs> I'm losing in this first round, basically. 
picked in a big country, which yeah. I thought was kind of a good, I thought, both, number one, it's a great song. I could listen to it on repeat. And secondly, something about, you know, um, in a big country, dreams stay with you like a lover's, you know what I mean? I thought I could hear, I could imagine pioneers sort of singing this kind of, having these sort of sentiments. No one sure. else in my league thought so, and I'm losing. And you, and you could play the, the bagpipes in the uh, wagon. Yes, behind there the horses, you go. Yeah. There were a lot of Mormon pioneers from the UK. What's <laughs> winning is Shake Your Rump by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, yeah, well, of course, yes. <laughs> hmm. But I don't Why know what not? that has to do with, uh, yeah, anyway. I'd go with Eggman from the Beastie Boys from Paul's That's, even better. That's yeah. even better. Um, so I mentioned that because if anyone wants to play music league with me, maybe we get a couple of music league leagues going on and I'm new to this thing. If anyone out there knows it better than me and you want uh, invite us something, tell me about yeah. it. We'll, we'll get it going. You should invite your friend, Sammy to make it up to him. <laughs> oh my gosh okay sammy you get to be the admin of our there we go <laughs> so so in, so it's a mormon uh centric group so is like a uh, donny osmond song winning or no 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 no, <laughs> no donny I, don't osmond? I don't know that it's mormon centric. it's just it's a bunch of a bunch of us in the, from the same sort of social group here yep. in denver all of our friends Got invited, and I don't know that all of them are Mormon, but that's where oh, okay. a lot of them are. That's what and, a John, lot of them... and John, how long have you lived in Denver? Is are you asked? Is this leading up to a joke? If you remember our Q2 recap episode, I, I was giving you shit about, uh, you know, when you talk about living in Denver, you'll say, well, I've lived here, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 I never know exactly. I say, years. John, just say 15. Give me a number. Make it. Get behind it. Just sell it. Okay. I should have known you were trying to bust my balls again. I think we're up to about 17 years now. Okay. Well, because you moved there and then you had Georgia? Yes. We were in Sacramento for the first couple of years. I didn't ask you where you lived before, John. I don't care, Andy. I'm doing the math. We was in Sacramento for two years working for Tower, and then I got let go. And then my friend Jason, who died two years ago of brain Mm -hmm. cancer, introduced me to IBM. And the job was in Boulder and I got the job and we moved out here and, uh, yeah, we had no kids at the time and now we have three and so on and so on. That's a whole other thing, by the way, raising teenagers. Let's just leave it at that. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Georgia has her Uh first boyfriend and, uh, I can do a whole podcast just on that. (laughs) Did you stand stand at the door with a shotgun? Basically, (laughs) basically. Oh my, well, Oh, Okay. I'll take two seconds on this. Basically, they went to homecoming together. Yep. Um, he's a kid from our church. We know him from your, church. Your ward. War, thank you. I was going to say that word, and I didn't know if anyone would know it. The congregation is called a ward. He's a kid from our ward. Um, he's a black kid. He's a, he's a good kid. We have no problem with it, him being black or anything like that. His mom uh, reminds me a lot of Angela Bassett, a sort of like in Waiting to Exhale. You know, this very proud, do not mess with me, black woman. And I understand. It's just the two of them, and she's very accomplished and and educated and everything. And they went to homecoming together, and their curfew was 11 o'clock, and Georgia turned her phone off and couldn't be reached and missed curfew. 
and everything. And uh, I exploded all over her. I was so mad. And he got he got grounded for a month. In fact, he just got his phone back today, I think. <laughs> and um, the mom doesn't like us anymore because she thinks we she thinks we like encourage this behavior, which we don't. I was as mad as she, you should have seen at church the next day. She came up and Oof. just gave us an earful. It was, it was tough anyway. So we're negotiating, we're navigating the, mm. the road of trust. She's still my little girl, but she's someone else's, you know, make out buddy. And it's, uh, Oh no, my well, gosh. It's so weird. What time did she come home then? If curfew was 11. Uh, it was, it was finally like 1145. Well, she didn't come home. I needed to go pick her up Ah, and, uh, yeah, she had turned off her phone so that the two of them could go, you know, make out in a park somewhere. Mm. And, uh, (laughs) I just, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, can't anyway, that's a whole other issue. Um, (laughs) how old is she now, John? She's 15. She's Mm -hmm. 15. This is like her first real boyfriend. Anyway, it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I, I'm 51 and I wouldn't go make out in a park. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we're, you know, we're employed. We can afford hotel rooms and whatever else we want to do, you know? <laughs> so, but uh, when you're 15 and you've you know, set the rules ahead of time and you want no, us to trust you with this new boyfriend and you don't, you break the rules anyway. Yeah. I think she was like an hour late. Mm. Um. In fact, I, uh, I drove the Tesla and when she got in the car, I was screaming at her so, so loudly. And I, I was banging on the, the middle section, you know, like the, in between the two front seats, there's that part in the middle, like the armrest center console, center console. Yeah. Yeah, That's what Um, I'm here for. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. I'm thinking of the words. I broke it because I banged it so hard. Wow. So it's still kind of like flapping. Anyway, Jeez. Yeah, I was, I was, it was not pretty and Farrah was out of town. And Ooh. so I'm feeling like it's my fault anyway. Okay. All right. Let's get into the episodes. We'll recap the last three months of episodes. Some of these we can spend time on. Some of them will hurry through. Did we cover anything? Is there anything relating to your personal lives or life in general that you want to touch on or make a statement about or whatever before we get going? I'm good. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So I think we kicked off the last quarter with uh, Margot from the Cowboy Junkies. Um, she was a very sweet lady. I am. I was surprised that this one didn't get more popular. I thought they were a pretty big named band. I love them a lot. Um, it didn't seem to get as... Ex- I mean, it still did fine. All of these do fine. But some are so obviously more anticipated than others. And... Uh, that part interested me. The thing that I liked most about her was just her inherent decency. She was such a decent human, normal human being. Being, And when we were talking, my favorite part was when we were talking about if she ever had offers to go solo or to, as she was saying, like shorten her skirt or whatever. And then she was <laughs> oh, like, well, what, would so I, what, yeah. what would I do at Christmas? And I thought, I love that she said that, you know? Yeah. She's this... She's singled out as this sexy pop singer, and yet she has to face all of her family members at Christmas. And uh, she was like, how can I do that? And I just love the way that she thought like that. 
she was such a neat lady and she they they came through town and concert shortly after that and they put me on the list and the show was great and i was going to go meet them but because of covid they weren't a lot of bands aren't doing meet and greets right now so i haven't been able to meet everybody that i would like to but i'll tell you more about that in a little bit but anyway cowboy i, I love them and i their new album of covers is really strong too so yeah. Are are either of you guys fans of theirs? Uh, and you know, I just I know there's I know of their stuff, but not a huge fan. It's, what's ironic, and I messaged you about this, John. Her sister Callie Timmons was on the soap opera I used to watch in the early '90s, Another World. That's crazy. So, uh, and and she was, uh, you know, not Pretty hot. Uh, she's rather fetching. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Google Callie Timmons, and you won't be disappointed. Take my. It's interesting when she was saying she's not a redhead, sister- Yan. Sorry. Oh, too bad. Blonde. When she was saying that it was her sister who was the actress and the kind of like look at me spotlight person and not her, and I thought, I don't know that I know who your sister is, and I and I hate to say it, I didn't watch a lot of soap operas back in the day, Andy, so I didn't know that's who Callie quite, Timmons was. But that's quite all right. But anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at she did uh, you know kind of bit parts in like Walker Texas Ranger. I missed that Road, one too. I'm Frazier. afraid. Okay. So yeah. okay, well, I'll uh, I'll have to look her up. Um, I will admit the Cowboy Junkies are one of those bands where if you probably just need to own one album, mm-hmm. uh, the Trinity Sessions, that pretty much says it all. Everything else they do is some sort of a variation almost on that. A lot, It's all good, so it just yeah. depends on your appetite for those kind of slow, swampy, bluesy, folky songs. But anyway, yeah. they're a great band. Alt um, Americana. Yes, yes. Yeah. So- I'll, Even though I'll they're Canadian, alt Canadian, alt Canadian. So sorry. Uh, apologies to our friends from the north, <laughs> like Sammy, by the way, Sunny, <laughs> oh, there we go. who's from Toronto. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Hang on a second. Canada's part in North America, so you could still get away with that, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Um, who was I just? T- maybe it'll come up. Who was I talking to recently about? They were British, but. Do you call their music Americana? Maybe it was Billy Bragg. Anyway, I don't remember. Mm. Um, okay. After that, I I, um, I was on some podcasts recently. One was Alex's Sly Dog podcast, Brian Lennon from Permanent Record. He and I went on and talked about Culture Club, which was a lot of fun. Um, I also went on Mike Wiles's Retro Rock Roundup podcast to talk about that. We did album by album with the Doobie Brothers. And afterwards, I put that out. I should have put Alex's out, too, on our own feed. I didn't even, it wasn't on purpose. But anyway, I I was so glad that someone asked me to do an album-by-album dissection of the Doobie Brothers that uh, I just thought I got to share this with everybody because I love them so much. You have a problem with the length of these podcasts? Is that it, Andy? Well, that one clocked in at almost, I think, three hours. So uh... Three hours of goodness is what you're saying, (laughs) right? I think I could listen to the entire Doobie Brothers catalog in three hours. That might be true, actually. Minute by minute, it was dragging on a little. (laughs) Minute by minute. Good for you. Good callback. Yeah, jokes are my specialty. They are. That's why I'll see myself out. Thank you. Um, Okay. And then we had a (laughs) politics panel. This was um, Brad Page's idea. He had heard a comment um, in the Roger Manning episode, um, which wasn't outwardly anti-vax, but it was, I don't remember what it was, but it was something Roger seemed like frustrated about having to shut down touring over the pandemic. And 
it didn't, I wasn't sure when he said it, whether he was railing against shutdowns in general, or just frustrated that he had to, sh- that he couldn't tour or whatever. I wasn't sure, but it got Brad's brain going to talk about politics. And what do you do when the artists you love are kind of on the other side of history and politics? And, and I thought, well, that sounds like a, the right opportunity for Eric and BJ. So we had a, just like an impromptu conversation and it, it got a little in the weeds sometimes. I don't know how good it was, but I wanted to share it with everybody because I feel strongly about a lot of those things. Um, I did hear from, I heard from some people who, some most people loved it. I heard from one or two that were shocked that we even bothered to do it. And then there was somebody, and I don't know who they are. Maybe I should know who they are. They're e- I got a couple of emails from the same person, their email address. It doesn't say who their name is. So it might be someone I already know. I'm not sure. And it's him just, I assume it's a him, like bagging on wokeness. And and uh, so my response to that is always like, can you define wokeness for me? Tell me, yeah. define what's what, define woke and then tell me what's wrong with it. And of course, every time he emails me, I reply with that and he never answers. And then he sends me some other thing. Glenn Danzig said punk would never happen now because it's too woke. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> care what Glenn Danzig thinks. You know what I mean? And it's defined woke for me. And he doesn't, no one ever does. Right. And then no, they don't. No. no. So anyway, yeah. And it, I don't, it may not have been for everybody, although it got a ton of downloads. I think they <laughs> liked that. It was sort of provocative. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I, th- I think, you know, no offense against you guys, but you're all kind of of the same mindset. Yeah. True. So I think it would be a little more, um, I don't even know what the word is uh, to have someone of a conservative viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. The, the problem is, is you're not going to find many in the music podcast DIY world. No. And um, this is, this is ultimately the problem that I have. And, and I, I felt it even with uh, Billy Bragg, who was such an inspiring conversation, but yep. we, I, yes, I, Ultimately, it would be great if we could all just kumbaya with each other, <laughs> but I feel like we have to, a, a set of rules has to be established first. Like we can kumbaya, I can put my arm around my conservative friend, but we all agree like Trump's an asshole, right? We all know that he's trying to ruin everything, right? And his people are trying to ruin everything, right? I mean, I can put my arm around you and love you, but we have to establish the basic facts first of any relationship. And once we, and then after, as we establish that, then we can get into differences like taxes and whatever. But I mean, if we we're going to at least agree that people like him and McConnell and Cruz and these Marjorie are idiots. Right. And then we can put our arms around each other. But anyway, yes, I know. I know several uh, conservative folks who, uh, think Trump's a slime ball and totally morally bankrupt yet he got them three supreme court justices that you know right. have now reshaped america and probably yeah. will continue for decades yeah. thank you very little and so they're willing to uh, su- you know take trump if it means you know three supreme yeah. court justices that's so. it and i hear a lot of people too you i mean they held their nose and voted for trump yeah. they're you know it's a lot of that going around now well i don't like i hate trump but you don't hate him enough. If you still hate him, but then vote Republican or vote for not every, I, but it is feeling like more and more every day. It is every, 
But if you're still going to vote for all those people or just vote R down the ticket or even vote for him if he runs again, you don't get a medal for not liking Trump. No one's going to give it's not good for you for that. It's because your feelings should have provoked a different response and they haven't. And so what good is that feeling? It doesn't matter. But anyway, is he allowed to run again? Uh, yeah. 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 He was never formally him. impeached. He was uh, <laughs> brought up a couple of times. Yeah. Twice brought up and his Republican cronies stuck by him. I, I don't, I don't understand any of it. Um, but anyway, I always I'll say look. that it's the, um, it's like the Democrats had Bill Clinton who came with a lot of baggage yeah. in the nineties, yet they stuck by him. Mm-hmm. And held their nose and voted for him. I knew a lot of Democrats who, like, I don't really like Bill Clinton, but he's the best we got. Yeah, so I think that's kind of Trump is the Bill Clinton. On the I can see that. Side. That makes that makes sense. I do think one is imminently more capable of oh, oh. than the other. But <laughs> I'm, I'm yes, not going to argue that point at all, John. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I know what you mean. You're right. Maybe if we do one of these again, um, one of the people I heard. Well, anyway, I, one of the people that I heard back from who is more on the fence or leans right, um, maybe I'll invite someone like that on next time and we can hear an opposing view. I just, um, in, in my mind, there is no logical opposing, opposing view these days. Okay, let's move on from politics. Roxy Music, this was a big feather in our cap. I can't believe Phil Manzanera has been on here. Um, I have to thank Phil Mortlock for that one. Phil is the guy who hooked me up with Tim Finn. And because of Tim and Phil working together, it worked out that Phil would talk too. I have to admit, I think about it now. We were going to talk, Phil and I were going to talk earlier in the year. And then he, uh, we were about to set it up. And he said, you know what? Let's wait on this for a couple of months. And in the time that we waited, it was announced that they were going to go on this new on this 50th anniversary tour and when i mentioned that that to him in the interview and he says yeah that's why i said let's wait because there would be even more and i have to admit it made me feel kind of i was feeling pretty you know my chest was pretty puffed out thinking phil manzanera thought about me and my feelings and said let's hold off let's give john some good even more good stuff in a couple of months um I don't know that he actually thought that way, but I, that's the that's the nurse that's the story I like to tell myself in my head is that Phil Manzanero was thinking of me, you know? Sure, sure, John. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure he was. I got to see him con- in concert. I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, you didn't make it though. No, I was hoping to go, and but it was it just worked out that that night I couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, something. It was stuff. so good. Yeah, it was so good. Um, but I am, I am oh. going to go see uh, Cowboy Junkies so, with Chris. Oh, Lamb. good. Good. Yeah. I was hoping you would. Yeah. Thankfully, our buddy Brent uh, contacted me after it came out. And he said, look, if you, he lives in Texas. And he said, why don't you come out here and we'll go to the show together in Austin. And so I did uh, like a month ago, three weeks ago, flew out to Austin. And uh, Brent has this big ranch out in the middle of nowhere in uh, the middle of texas and so i flew out there we hung out on his ranch for a few days and we'd go into austin to the concert which was incredible phil especially i just i kept looking at this world 
renowned rock star and thinking, I know that guy. I have that guy's email address. You know what I mean? And uh, it was just great. It was such a great show and a great week. Brent, if you're listening, thank you. That was, I really, I loved it. And we would just stay up all night talking about music. And Did uh, Brent take you to Lousy Barbecue? We went, we did really good barbecue, actually. We went to a couple of them and I had one of the best meals of my life in some strange little town called Schulberg, Schulenberg, Texas, whatever it was. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. So anyway, glad we got Roxy Music on our on our uh, resume here yeah i must say roxy music i'm I'm not a huge fan of their stuff but i do love their album covers from the 70s <laughs> country life guess. country life right <laughs> yes yes <laughs> it's funny you say that andy because i'll i'll tell people like co-workers or friends and oh where'd you go oh i went to texas to see uh roxy music in concert and no one quite knows what that is sure. and i just have to like you guys, trust me on this. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal that Roxy Music just came through town and I got to see them. Because uh, uh, they're in the Hall of Fame. How could they not know this? Roxy Music were a much bigger deal in the UK than they were here. Yeah. And and yeah. they, the, Avalon was probably early 80s, which was the mm-hmm. last album. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're of a certain age, you probably know them a little better than if you're, you know, True. 40. And I would say too, I think only probably more than this is probably the only song that most Americans would even know. Yeah. Maybe some of the others, if they've, you know, if they're music nerdy at all, but more than this is probably the only thing most common people in America even know anyway. And they probably don't know who sings it, or they might think it's Brian Ferry if they even know who Brian Mm. Ferry is. I don't know. (laughs) And in the States, people probably know Brian Ferry more as a solo act. Yeah, and as Roxy music, yeah, yeah, it's true. And I've never really warmed to his solo stuff. It's a little croonery for me. I like <laughs> uh, I like Roxy music way more, but maybe I got to spend more time with his solo. Okay, after that, I had OMD and Mary Fall. OMD, of course, was a dream come true. And uh, I had Andy in the band is such a great talker, such a great interviewer, such a great front man. My gosh, but I. Because of that, he, I've always thought I wanted to hear more from Paul. And so I was really glad when it was Paul who agreed to come on the show. I hope that was the right move. I don't know that it was quite as animated as Andy would have been, but Paul was such a sweet, humble guy that um, I wanted to, he's who I was more interested in. It was kind of a bummer that the, um, the Wi-Fi in his hotel room was pretty spotty and the interview got cut short, but it's fine. Ultimately, I think we got most of what we wanted out of that. And um, in my mind, I thought that episode, that interview was short and the Mary Fall episode was short. And so I thought, well, let's put them together. Makes sense. But they were both closer to an hour than I realized. So it ended up being a longer uh, podcast than I thought. Are you guys OMD fans? Um, yeah. I know the hits. Yeah. So I like them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they were bigger when I was a teen. Sure. Young teen. Young going into young teens yeah they were huge they are one of the best live acts as i said again andy is one of the best and it's no offense andy shawl andy mccluskey (laughs) of omd is one of the best front men ever um well i'm no slouch myself i believe that i believe it actually if i were to see you in concert you're fronting a great band yes the dancing and the singing and the yeah i I have a feeling that would be off the hook 
Do people yes. still say that off the hook? Gyrating crotch uh, yes. shots. Yes. Yes. A lot of that. I'll bring it. Um, okay. I believe it. Oh, so we should we, start we, a band and make you the front man just to see what this looks like, Andy Shaw. Let's there see we go. That. Go we ahead, Ian. What were you going to say? We're selling tickets just on that then, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't oh, think Andy's yeah. sex appeal would get, bring us at least a couple thousand fans to a show like that? I, I hate to be at a stadium and you know be on stage to you know thirty thousand people and say you guys really need to listen to John Lamoureux <laughs> and Yam the Right Hand Man on the Hustle podcast. I would love I think that. that would go, that wouldn't go over very well. <laughs> and then, then I think, grab your shelf and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to tell you about Mary though. Um, she came through con- in concert a week or so later. She was at the Soil Dove. Yeah, and where we saw the tubes. Oh, that is a great venue. Have you been there? Yeah. Um, so Andy, she. Been there. No, not uh, yet. No, uh, no. I've heard about it enough times on this podcast. I need to go there. Yeah. You it's can play in the three. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's almost like the size of like a dinner theater or something like that. There's tables with, you know, um, waiters bringing food and stuff like that. It's really intimate, but also classy. I love it there. Uh, it comes up again here in a little bit. But anyway, he she was playing there, and her husband came out and was... The place wasn't full. Her husband was coming out and shaking some people's hands, and she he said, are you John? And I said, wow, yeah. And he um, you know, said, come on. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for that great interview with Mary. She really appreciates it. So she's performing her concert and it's just her and a guitar and she will sing a song and then tell a story about it and sing another song and tell a story. And um, she, in our interview, I mentioned that one of my favorite songs of hers was this deeper cut called Raging Child. So in the middle of her show, she says, I just want to stop for a second and acknowledge that I did the, I just had the best interview recently with this guy, John Lamoureux, who's here in Denver for his podcast, The Hustle. It was just the loveliest interview. And I think he's out there today, tonight. She didn't know where I was sitting or anything. She just knew I was probably there. And she said, and so I wanted to sing this song for him and dedicate it to him. And she says, you know, I never sing this song, so I may not get it right. But thank you, John. It was just so great to meet you and great to talk to you. Wow. And then she performed Raging Child. And uh, she <laughs> kind of stumbled through it because she hadn't done it for a long time. But it was so... I'm, I'm just, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it. No one's ever done that. That was incredible, you know? Huh. And then afterwards, there was a long line of people. She was signing merch and all that kind of stuff. And her husband gave me her new CD, which is really kind of them. And the person in front of me in line wanted to get their picture. And so he said, will you take our picture? And I did. And she didn't realize who I was. And so she says, hey, would you mind... Uh, emailing me that picture. My email address is, she gives me her, and I said, uh, Mary, it's John Lamoureux. And she's, oh, oh, I didn't realize because I already have her email address, you know? So anyway, she gives me this big hug and she was humble so, brag. so, yeah, it was kind of a humble brag, yes. <laughs> and uh, so it was just so sweet, but no one's ever done that before. And it meant a lot to me that Mary would, you know, single me out like that. I was really wow. Excited. Yeah. Yeah. This whole podcasting thing's kind of cool, Andy. Yeah. 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 Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, Andy, you should do one. I'll edit it for you. 
<laughs> I, I should do well yeah and i'm gonna have to get some hair samples to clone you because uh this is probably this is probably the one hour a week john lets you out of the cage to uh record right no come on the shackles need- come off for two hours yeah and you can stretch you can get out of that on. chair. You can go out and see the sunshine. I don't know in Glasgow if you have any sunshine today. Well, yeah, I was no. going to say it's about five hours ahead of me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I like Yan out. He has a very full life outside <laughs> of podcasting. And so quite a, quite a busy one. Yes, you do. Um, okay. After that was Steve Lillywhite. I, I mean, I don't know yes. what more to say about it. That was a dream. I've been bugging him for years to come on. I mean, I think I've told you stories. He would, I'll email him throughout the year, about every other month and I'll never hear from him. And he'll reply once and say, Oh, I'm so talked out. I've done all these other interviews. Can we do this some other time? And for a while, I'm like, yes, I'll just wait for you. Whatever you say, Steve Lillywhite, because I love you. And so I'll email him in a couple of months, nothing, couple of months, nothing, couple of months. And then the following year, he don't, he'll do his annual reply to one of my emails <laughs> and say, oh, I'm so talked out. I've been doing so many interviews talking about the same old thing. Can we do this some other time? And finally, I was like, Steve, how do I get to be one of the people that you do talk to instead of blowing off every year? And uh, it finally worked. And God bless him. He gave me like three hours of his life. And I got to talk about almost everything that I wanted to know about. And everything had a fantastic story attached to it. And we became kind of friendly. Like we text sometimes. I was at an Echo and the Bunnymen concert. And I texted him on WhatsApp, by the way, because that's more what Europeans do. And I was like, did you ever, I'm at an Echo concert. And it just seems like you two would have been perfect for each other. And he said, oh, I should tell you about the time where I, when I was their producer for 15 minutes. It's a crazy story. And, uh, and, and so I've, I'm starting to keep a list on my phone of things I want to ask Steve Lillywhite again that I didn't know about the first time. And I'm almost done with that Mark Hollis book that we, I had oh, yeah. Ben, the writer on earlier this year. Um, I'm almost done with it. And uh, Steve's name comes up in that because he produced... Huh? Mark's early punk bands demo or something like that. And so I took a picture and I sent him that. He's like, Oh, there's a story there too. I'll have to tell you about it. So anyway, it's just, yeah, he, he was awesome. Although you, uh, you start off that episode, you used to say uh, your favorite producer is Trevor Horn or Steve Lillywhite. I was surprised Rupert Hine didn't get a honorable mention in that list either. I know. I've thought a lot about that. Um, the thing that I realized about my favorite producers is that, and it, this is true for those two, Nile Rogers, not as yep. quite as much uh, Chris Hughes, but a certain era of Quincy Jones, is yep. that the sound that they created at their peak is a sound that I like. And I've been thinking, I've been going back and forth about this because I like way more albums by Steve Lillywhite than I do Trevor Horn. Yep. But what Trevor Horn did on like ABC's Lexicon of Love mm. and uh, yes is 90125 and that kind of stuff that lush sound yeah. is so good that it kind of trumps over trump terrible word anyway takes the towers cake, over towers there you go and uh and steve's drum sound which he yeah. said in the interview he sort of did for a while and then tried to abandon is so good that that sound you know nile rogers has a certain sound and quincy definitely had that sound with like george benson and the early yeah. 
um, you know, Brothers Johnson and Michael Jackson and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think if I were to rank it by what producer made the most amount of albums that I like, yeah. Rupert Hine would be higher, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the sound, that sort of cold, chilly to me, clean sound that Rupert does, I love it, but it's not as good as those other sounds. Sure. Yeah, and uh, I enjoyed that episode for a couple reasons. A, he called you a big jock. He was just shocked that you loved all this alternative kind of music, yet you look like this uh, Uh, The Rock. Give me the credit where credit's due, Andy. Let's not forget. He said I looked like The Rock. (laughs) There you go. Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I just loved how every album or song you would mention as being your favorite, he's like, you like that? What? (laughs) Oh, you're crazy, John. How could you like that? I know. It's so true. <laughs> Calling you weird. That was funny. Calling you weird. Yes. You're just a, a big jock who likes all these weird songs. John. It's true. It's true. Uh, fascinating about the whole KFC thing in uh, Jakarta. Yeah, yeah. I guess over there, KFC. Have you ever been over there, Yan? I never have. No. 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 I guess over there, KFC is kind of like what Starbucks used to be here as far as like selling CDs and yeah. that kind of thing. And so, yeah, he was like an executive over there and in charge of that thing. And uh, yeah, crazy. that that was fascinating because he was saying they sell something like a million CDs a month. Yeah. And I'm like, it's 2022. Who's buying CDs? You know that quality. And you know, when I think Asia, I think you know high tech and China and Taiwan, and you think they'd all be on Spotify and. Uh, Let me ask you this. When you think of Asia, do you think of Bertie Higgins and Stephen Bishop? Because I do. <laughs> That's what I think of. Um, anyway. You know, Stephen Bishop is much bigger than Bertie Higgins, John. I, don't know I, I know heard that. that. He told me that himself. Sorry, Stephen Bishop. Um, he almost cut, you, uh, cut the interview right there. I know. He, right, he almost did. And, and, you know, Paul Williams is another guy who's big over in Asia. Like, like Paul Williams, the actor. You and I, your, your doppelganger to my Terrence. <laughs> Uh, or what's his name? Pat, who, who uh, Pat am I McCorm- Pat, Pat McCormick. McCormick. Pat McCormick. From yeah, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Big and Little Bandit. Enos Burdett. That's, right. yes. that's right. You and I. Uh, that's our that's our uh, <laughs> doppelgangers, our avatars. Yeah, I I, um, I think what it might be is, well, for, I always hear about Asians being still into physical media, which is shocking to me. I think what it might have been, I'm starting to envision, you know, when you go, I don't think they have these anymore, but you'd go to Walmart or something and there would be these bins of like $1.99 DVDs in like slim uh, paper sleeves and everything. Yes. yes. And they're these, all these weird D movies that you've never even heard of. I wonder if that's the kind of stuff that gets paired, you know, you can order a bucket of chicken and it comes (laughs) with a couple of those and that that's how you're moving product. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I don't know. Spend $25 or more and you get a free CD. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, some K-pop band no one's ever heard of, but it's there. Oh, Farrah's oh. doing the laundry behind oh, me. Oh, hi, Farrah. Oh, yeah. she, you got headphones on. Andy says, hi, Farrah. Hi, Andy. And she's like, oh, Christ, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> he's like, I saw him looking in the back bedroom the other night. I didn't know what that was all about. I was going to call the cops. We turned it on extra thick for you, Andy. We knew you were watching. We put our leftovers out on the back porch for Andy because we know he's back there like snooping around somewhere. You know, it's starting to get cold out, John. Could you leave an extra blanket out for him? Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's been trained. He knows to go poop in the alley behind our house and everything. It's great. Um, okay. Anyway, I don't know what more to say about Lily White, but that was like uh, the know, dreamiest just, dream of all. Oh, and the stories were great. I mean, he's talking about XTC and Marshall Crenshaw and all people you've had on. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to kind of tie it together with the artist and the producer now. Yeah. Um, I Do you think, too, um, I had to make that in two parts because he left the first interview we did on that cliffhanger of and here's where we're going to leave it talking about aretha franklin next time that's where we'll kick it off and i thought i don't want to waste that he he introduced a perfect segue into a second part i don't want to put it in one three and a half hour episode i want to break it up but what's weird is that the second part has like 300 fewer downloads than the first part well, here's the thing, John. So when I go out to Facebook and post all these, I have to go and say, okay, who That's does he true. talk about in this episode? And then true. I go post it to those fan sites or fan true. groups. Yeah. So it I could tried be the to, XTC. Maybe. I tried to split it up so that one wasn't all the big names and one was all the little names. I tried to kind of get a little bit of both in there. But I don't know. It's odd to me. I'm just thinking, who would listen to the first one, which was so good, and think, eh, I don't need any more. This, uh, I didn't like this. It's like 300 people thought that. Go listen to the other one. They're all awesome. You know? Right. Anyway, I don't know. I thought the Travis one, the Travis story was pretty good. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yes. We was talking about encouraging them to take cocaine and all that. Yeah. And it gets them so, they get so wound up about it that they end up slowing yes. their music down. Yes. <laughs> I was talking to somebody, about, in fact, I think it was Dusty the other day. I went, the guy that does the music for my Dunfermline Athletic Podcast. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, I was over at his place on Monday night for his birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I was talking to him about that one. And he says, Oh, yeah, that fits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They did slow down. They did. Yeah. Uh, are you okay with uh, Jan's moonlighting, John? I'm okay with that. I okay. want Jan okay. to have the fullest life possible. I want him to be when, happy when, when he's let out of his cage the one hour a week. Uh, yes, I'm not yes, the okay. Mel Sharples in this relationship <laughs> where I say no moonlighting to the you know Flo and Vera and Alice. It's I encourage uh, only, <laughs> only you would be dropping an Alice TV <laughs> show reference circa 1981. <laughs> I uh, want to yeah. know who <laughs> I want to know yeah. who out there understood my reference of Mel Sharples before it was explained. You I diggy broads. Yeah, that's right. That's, I did because I used to watch it. <laughs> Me too. I still watch <laughs> yeah. it. I love it. Yes. There's a gay TV channel. What's it called? It's the one that RuPaul's Drag Race. Fox on. News? Network? Oh, yeah. That's it. That's, <laughs> no, anyway, a few years ago, whatever this channel is, did a marathon and they played every Alice episode from the entire thing in oh, one wow. after one, the other. Yep. And I DVR'd the whole thing. And it took me like a year to watch every <laughs> single episode, but I did eventually. Uh, Mickey Jones uh, shows up in Alice a couple times. Yes, he does. Yes, uh, he does. Former drummer for Johnny Rivers and uh, Bob Dylan and Kenny and Rogers. the writer of the heck of a good book that someone yes. I know loaned to me. I, I think Thank so. you, Andy. By the way, I realized I still have your monkeys DVDs. That's cool. Oh, trust me, John. I know what you have. Of, 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 okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those I think are, that's all I have, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Because when you sent them to me like three years ago, uh, the kids the, were 
prime COVID season. Was it? Okay. So the kids were really into monkeys at that time. And we watched the first episode and they didn't, they were like, "Ah, I don't know if I want to watch more. (laughs) And I thought, well, I'll watch the rest. And then I never did. And so the DVDs are still sitting by the TV up there. Sorry about Uh. that. Oh boy. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I promise. Well, oh, uh, and I should tell you, my wife is looking at going to a conference in Denver in May. So I might be uh, swinging out to, to Denver. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, you can take I'll me to the to... soil dove and uh, take me out for bad barbecue. Okay. And I'll throw a, I'll throw a uh, sleeping bag up in the tree and you can just, <laughs> no, I'll stay at a hotel. Don't worry about me. Uh, yeah, sure. You will. You'll say that, but you'll we'll see you traipsing around our outside our bedroom window. Um, anyway, I'm just kidding. Okay, let's move on. St. Paul Peterson. I have to give a big yes. thanks to our listener, Scotty Cummer, Coomer. Sorry, Scott. I know better than that. Scotty Coomer, who um, has his own podcast. He's a runner, and his podcast is called 10 Jump Miles. And he had me on there a couple years ago, I think, which was a huge honor. Scotty's become a buddy. And he hooked, He said back then, do you want me to hook you up with Paul Peterson? I know him. And I was like, yes, I would love to talk to Paul. I've been wanting to talk to anybody from that Minneapolis Prince, you know, world. And uh, I thought Paul's story would be especially interesting. One being one of, if not the only white guy in Morris Day in the time. And then secondly, <laughs> being a part of the family, which was one of Prince's you know, many offshoots around his peak period in the 80s, but unfortunately didn't ever happen, really. Yep. And the fact that he's just been able to make a nice living for himself gigging around Minneapolis, playing funk music. And L.A. He, uh, it seems like he goes back and forth between Minneapolis and L.A. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Um, and I actually saw him in concert on Labor Day weekend here in Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, awesome show he had everyone in the band had a connection to having played for prince at some point in their career so it was like it was called the saint paul and minneapolis all-stars with jelly bean johnson hello nice okay um so uh it was fantastic show basically they did um some time songs so they did the the cool uh, Jungle Love, seven 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 ninety six eleven. 9611 They also did, because Oliver Lieber, who played in Tamara and the Scene uh, back in the 80s, he played guitar on that, the Everybody Dance song. Mm. He's in the band, and he's the oh. one who wrote the Paul Abdul songs on really? the Forever Your Girl album that, no that St. Paul Peterson played on. Oliver Lieber is son of... Uh, Oh God, I forget his first name. Uh, Lieber Jerry and Stoller, Lieber. Jerry yeah. Lieber, yeah. yeah, Lieber and Stoller fame. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was cool to see him. I didn't uh, know that. Well, Wild, very cool. Um, and he, and be, oh, one oh, other weird weird thing about Minneapolis because it's the smallest big city you can live in. Mm. My brother is friends with Saint Paul Peterson's niece. <laughs> So that's great. Only in Minneapolis, just that's like right. how uh, my my neighbor went to high school with Baco from the Cobras and Fire podcast oh. in Owatonna, Minnesota, and I just happen to know both of them. So, like I said, we're the we're the smallest big city you can live in. That's great. Yep. that's great. I have always wanted to go there, and then I think about how cold it is, and then I think. Uh... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> we did have snow yesterday morning, but I saw your new. picture. My yeah. gosh. Well, yeah. so I would come up and see you. A little light dusting. 
Yeah, you okay. get you come here, John. I'll let you sleep in my backyard. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. And we'll go to Paisley Park and we'll check out the tour. Okay. Yeah, and you're invited if John lets you off. Uh, it gets a little chilly here. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. bring a coat. Uh, yeah, that's all right. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I like cold weather. Well, in uh, in January, it gets to be about 10 below Fahrenheit. So I don't know how you do that. Uh, that's a good um, question. <laughs> All right. Next up was Stephen Street. This was another dream come true. As you know, I'm trying to get all seven Stevens. By the way, a quick update on that. The Steven that I was sure I wasn't going to get is agreed to an interview at the end of this month. And the Steven I was sure I was going to get hasn't emailed me back for a while. So I'm hope I'm hoping I'm I do think I will get all seven Stevens. I don't know if it'll be within the year, but we'll see. I'm I'm very encouraged. Stephen Street is somebody I've wanted to have on forever. I mean, the Smiths and Morrissey and Blur alone is worth a chat. A, a chat. And I had been trying to contact him for a while, and it finally worked out. And um, he's another one that I've I could have done a, a, almost like a Steve Lillywhite interview with him. I'm going to try and bring him on suit back on soon because I want to deep dive Morrissey's Viva Hate album mm. and. Uh, get his thoughts on all of that anyway he's he's a legend in my book he's behind he's another one like rupert or whatever that is just behind loads of music that means a lot to me and he seemed to like me well enough which is always helpful you know yeah any thoughts you guys know him familiar with him um gosh i'm just trying to remember you talked about uh well all the cranberry stuff too you forgot oh about yeah, that. yeah 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 that was yeah. interesting I forgot about that. I hate that song zombie and I didn't want to tell him. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. Uh, and, it's, not, uh, it's not my go-to cranberry song. That's for sure. No. And um, it was so interesting that he thought, Oh, this is just, okay. This will be a rockier, you know, album track fun for them to kind of, you know, show yeah. that side of themselves. And then it becomes this huge thing. And, um, yeah, that's like up there with worst songs of all time. But now I feel like I can't say I shouldn't say that because I love him so much and I didn't, don't want to burst his bubble, but I really didn't like that. And some respect for the dead. You know, Dolores is no longer with true. us. Jeff. Very true. That's true. Yeah. I keep saying I'm all about love over here and then I'm <laughs> dumping on it. Dolores and zombie. I shouldn't do that. Um, okay. I'm going to talk about retros. Uh, I, also one of the podcasts that had us on Nick, our buddy, Nick Bamback from the rock in retrospect podcast invited he i was his second guest we talked about duran duran and thanks to me and yet and uh nick we got duran duran into the rock and roll hall of fame it was because <laughs> of the two of us and so we thought let's do this again and this time we had in we did an excess yep. and we invited our buddy hayden from the uh in excess access all areas podcast <laughs> this one had been gestating for months and months and the reason for that is that well there's lots of reasons nick had was going through like a job change and moving and stuff like that. There was some concern too that, and this ties back to that political episode we did. John Ferris, the drummer of <laughs> NXS, who I've always liked, is uh, he's a big time Trump guy too, like disgustingly so. And I think, pretty sure, I love Hayden, but I think Hayden, even though he's Australian, is on that side of the political fence as well. <laughs> and when I was seeing all these things about posts that john ferris was making that were pro trump and pro like the truckers and stuff like that oh yeah Canada. remember all that yeah yep. 
um, I just thought, I don't know that I want to talk about how much I love NXS right now <laughs> with uh, all of that out there, you know? And so I was talking about it with Nick and he felt the same way. Like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if we want to do this. And so when I, Hayden was understandably upset because he's like, that shouldn't matter. We, we love NXS and, and that's easy for him to feel that way. Cause I think he is more aligned. I could be wrong. Hayden, if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm not criticizing you in any way. I'm just trying to paint a picture. Hayden's a good friend. He's a good man. You get his uh, anyway, name right though. I'm pretty sure I got his right. Okay. Yes. Okay. Hayden. I think I got it right. Got uh, it. anyway, um, we ended up doing it eventually anyway, once some of the smoke died down from John Ferris's crazy posts and, uh, it was at Hayden, like rant. we Nick and I just sat back for like 80% of that podcast and just let Hayden hold court because he knows everything there is to know about NXS. Wow. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It's long too. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Andy. I know you hate long podcasts. They just, you're too lazy to put it on double X speed and love it for what it is free Sorry. fun content. But anyway, um, it was still worth a shot. I think. Uh, you give, you give us what we need. I must yes. say that. Yeah. Yes. It's the medicine, you know, yeah. it's, I give you what's good for you. Uh, anyway, next up was Annabella, which I almost didn't want to put that one out. I was so yeah. frustrated by that one. But what's interesting is that all the feedback I've gotten on it is people loved it. And I just think you did. That was so hard. You know, yeah. it was hard to get any kind of a straight answer. She was really nice. And, and I should preface this by saying this didn't prior to the interview actually happening. She said, just so you know, if I'm vague about something, it's because I'm being vague about something. Mm. And so she did kind of warn me, you know, that that might happen. But I had seen a couple of interviews, re fairly recent interviews with her where she was really bubbly and animated. And yeah, they didn't get into the weeds of some of the less, you know, appetizing stuff, but the me too was, stuff. Yeah. Yes. But she was great. And I thought, well, I should be able to get that same person. But I didn't really, and she was just so careful with what she was saying and picking her words so carefully that it was almost like she didn't say anything to me. Yeah. And and I'm always going for like the deeper introspective, you know, not juice, but like the real meaningful, meatier stuff. And we didn't get there, but everyone seemed to love it. And she was so nice. And bless her heart, she put our interview on her website. So mm. it's there for all the world to see whenever, which is great. It did seem like she came around towards the end. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. But, you know, you're talking about that photo shoot she did when she was like 15. And you're like, well, I can't imagine that, you know, nowadays that would ever happen. And she's like, yeah, you don't think that, you know, that wouldn't happen nowadays. <laughs> right. Right. How, how did she get away with it then? I would have oh, yeah. yeah. I know. Even then. Yeah. yeah. I really was trying, kind of like with the Robin Guthrie from Cocteau Twins, I was trying mm. to. Uh, be very sensitive to the issues that I thought might get them hung up, but it wasn't, I guess I wasn't good enough at it or um, anyway, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that one, but I'm really, really grateful it happened. I've been trying to make it happen for a long time. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I, I enjoyed that one. See, most people yeah. did. I'm, I'm being too hard on myself. Yeah. But you could tell she was being careful with the words she selected. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she didn't want to, you know, name any of the other Bow Wow Wow guys yeah. by name. She'd say, well, the guitarist 
yeah. where the bass player has his own version of bow wow wow out right yep. now and yeah yeah it was tricky it um i didn't think i wanted to put it out but i'm glad i did because people liked it it's been downloaded a bunch of times um she john probably, king she probably, what's, she probably didn't want to cause any trouble i'm sure that's it i'm sure it yeah. is next up was john king of gang of four there are no like major uh fireworks in this one i do feel like there are some episodes that might be people who aren't fans of a band may or may not care as much i love gang of four and i thought that was a great conversation i've been wanting to have a representative from the band on for a long time and i guess i had it in my mind that they were a little prickly but he wasn't at all and i have to give a huge thanks to as i often do to our buddy steve cooper for john went on there first and he hooked me up with john's email i think that, that, that'd be steve cooper of cooper talk podcast. yes thank you for clarifying yes the yeah, cooper talk. yes steve and i swap like some people swap wives we swap <laughs> podcast guests a lot oh hey you didn't you haven't mentioned uh, do you still have your concert wife in denver there i do yeah thanks for asking we were, when we get to the okay concert sorry, sorry, section, yeah, I'm gonna, we'll in fact um it was <laughs> megan uh i saw on facebook today that it was three years ago today that megan and i met face to face for the first time and i texted her that she said how in the world do you know this <laughs> and uh, i said because it's on my facebook we met at a chameleon show uh wow. at um here in Denver, and that was my Facebook memory says that was three years ago today. It's like, yeah, yeah, of course it was Facebook. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, she'll come up more when I get to the concerts. Got it. Uh, after that was the book club, the Arista book with Mitchell. I have mixed feelings about the book, not because of anything. He wrote the book as more of a history lesson of the label itself. Yep. And I've wondered if a more interesting approach would have been writing it almost as a memoir. You know, like this hap I saw this happen. We did this crazy thing or this crazy promotion or publicity or this act was like this. If he had written it, written it first person, like this was my experience in the trenches of Arista Records. I wonder if that would have been an even better angle to the story. Yeah. But um, he wanted to treat it more like a history book, which is great i am less interested in the like inside baseball behind the scenes of this label i never know what label people are on i'm not one of those people <laughs> who can pull that out and so um but there are you know lots of nerdy music people love that kind of stuff so it's and we're friends with all of them we sure are aren't we <laughs> yes and uh and so i'm not geared, i'm not built that way but a lot of other people are so anyway um but he was a really good guy and our friend andy solemn not Andy Shaw. Andy Solemn won that book, so um, I got the mail. Another book him. I uh, I didn't get, huh? I don't think little... you threw your hat in the ring for this one. No, no. Well, just assume, John, that okay. I'm always that you're always there. I'm always in the. No. <laughs> Whenever I do the the random name picker colorful wheel that we did yes. I showed you last time, yes. I'll just always leave Andy in there to see. Thank if you, thank you. Speaking of which, the next two episodes have free CDs attached to them, so you might get something. Don't forget, folks, $5 a month on Patreon gets you the uh, email from John telling you who the upcoming guests are and very a true. chance to win the raffle. And uh, was it $2 a month for the cheapo version? The ch you know <laughs> come on folks yeah. five dollars yeah. that's a that's a half a latte at starbucks <laughs> yeah the pussies can sign up for the for, 
tier what one. Much of a latte at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Well, a small latte. That's true. That's true. So and then, five um, bucks, set it and forget it, people. That's right. Get set your t-shirts at Amazon it. still too. Hustle podcast. Oh man, I don't think we've. I don't remember the last. I, it's been a year, maybe. No one buys the t-shirts anymore. Uh, I remember the, the my uh, a friend, a person who I was friends with for a while when I started the podcast and haven't talked to since probably uh, created our logo. And yep. when my buddy Ryan came to me and said, I, "Do you? What if I manage like a Amazon store for you and you sold t-shirts?" I said, "Great." I thought I better check with Nick, my friend. To see if he minds about me using his logo to sell t-shirts yeah. and he said yeah that's fine as long as um after you sell a thousand you know cut me in no problem buddy <laughs> and uh that's still not going to be a problem and <laughs> it's not going to be a problem for a very long time so anyway. i'm sure bill elam has lots of relatives he can buy that's true bill elam for. jay sabluski, jay sabluski. <laughs> yeah come on guys christmas is coming up that's right. Focus up. Hang on a, hang on a second. I don't, yeah. I'm not I'm not sure if I even see the stuff out there. Hang on a sec. If you go to, uh, I used to have the link bookmarked. I don't know if I do anymore. I think you have to go into, in fact, last time I looked, it was deeper. It was harder to find than I thought. I think you have to type in like Am or uh, pod, Hustle Podcast merch or t-shirts. And actually, you know what it was? When I did that, the only thing that came up was one of those... Uh, pop sockets yes and then you could dig in from the pop sockets to whatever else was in the store which is like the sweatshirts and the shirts yeah i don't know and 49.95 a month gets you the only fans access right john <laughs> i've been thinking about doing <laughs> that. that still is that still is that link still valid i haven't looked lately <laughs> maybe i've thought about that like inviting people on like we did earlier <laughs> with you to if you want to do a recap or something like i don't know it, it all feels so strange, and I, I don't know what people want to do, and so <laughs> I don't know. It feels strange. Anyway. Oh, uh, about the Aristotle, um, I thought it was a little weird because it sounded like it was more 70s-centric. Yeah, it was. For I think he was ta I think he was focusing, too, on when the label became a thing and broke off of, it started as Bell Records or something Bell, like that. Bell, yep. I'm trying to remember. And um, so I think he was focusing mostly on the beginning, how it got started, Yep. But he was an A and R guy for like twenty something years, yep. and that's what I mean. Like I, and he was talking about some of the bands in there that he wished had gotten bigger or wished he had done more with. That part was really interesting to me, and I thought I, I almost wish this book was just that. You know, you mean like the Funky Kings with Jack Tempshin? Yes, good one. Yes, uh, and then you would, you know, he would talk about uh, you know, expose or Whitney yeah. Houston, and he's like, expose. well, that was really. Yeah, that's really more the 80s, which, mm -hmm. you know, the, the book doesn't really focus on. I'm like, well, that's the part would be in my wheelhouse. Like, Same. tell me about all that 80s dance music. And, Same. and Millie Vanilli. Millie um, Vanilli. Kind of danced up. around that. He did. I interviewed Jeanette from Expose just yesterday. Oh, I was going to ask yeah. you about that. Yeah, she was so great. Um, so that'll be out eventually, too. Um, Craig, anyway, Craig Smith might even listen to that episode. Maybe, maybe we can size. finally attract Craig Smith to listen to something other than George Winston. <laughs> maybe we'll see. Okay. Howard Jones was after that. This was obviously a huge one. This is another one that I have mixed feelings about, and I've heard nothing but really great things from people. 
the thing I keep thinking to myself, was that the conversation you had been waiting your whole life to have with Howard Jones? Well, hold on here. I don't know if the fan or the listeners know this, John, but mm-hmm. Howard uh, Howard Jones, huge, huge in Salt Lake City. I don't how know if you, you've ever... Have how you did just you know got- that, Andy? It's so funny you say that because... And did you know that? That Howard Jones is big in Salt Lake? Somebody had said something like that. <laughs> has, it, has it been brought up on this podcast ever? It may have come up randomly. Yes. Just randomly. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm guessing this episode was big in Salt Lake. <laughs> it probably was. I know that um, because I always post the episodes to the Hustle's Facebook page and then my own personal Facebook page. And yep. this one more than most gets a lot of got a lot of traction on my personal page because okay. it's of all my utah friends and family and stuff like the that. wards in salt lake city we're talking about it on sunday that's it no. in fact my cousin lynn called me one day she was on a road trip with a girlfriend of hers and they wanted they were listening to the episode and they wanted to know how in the world i got howard on which that was really sweet of her anyway oh. i uh, i don't know i i have i mean I only had 45 minutes. I think I only had 30 and I had to fight for 45 and I could have gone much further. Um, I did get to a lot of the things I wanted to talk about. I mean, I think at the end of the day, he's probably as baffled as anyone else as to why Utahns and Mormons, you know, <laughs> love his music. And I, I want afterwards, it was one of those things where I thought of all these things that I w- wish I had said, like, do you, when you write a song, do you ever think to yourself, the Mormons are going to love this? <laughs> I, that's what I wish I had asked him, you know? Like, oh, the Mormons are going to go crazy for this one. So, are, there any, anyway. uh, are there any Howard songs in your uh, your little group? Of, no, uh, that's a good idea. Um, one of the upcoming questions is, uh, it's a church dance and you're 16 years old. What song is going to get you some Levi Lovin'? And... Uh, <laughs> So maybe maybe what is love from Howard Jones or no one is to blame could be that one. That would work. Yeah, uh, that might be a good one. Anyway, I don't know. I love him. Um, yeah. I could have talked forever. I could have gone album by album. I was purposely trying to focus on new stuff versus old stuff because I know that's what he was promoting. But of course, I really want to talk about the old stuff a lot. Yep. I got to most of what I wanted to get to. Not all of it, but it was it was great. I'm just I just am thinking. Is that what you waited your whole life for? And uh, I don't know, but I'm happy with it. I don't know that I could have gone much better. Is that probably the interview you've had to research the least of all the what? people? Yeah, you've... probably. <laughs> probably. Dave Wakeling, second. Yeah, that or... was another one. Yeah. Yep. I uh, hardly anything. Yeah. It's true. In fact, I noticed a correlation recently in my notebook. The people I know the best, I have the least amount of notes for. And the people I don't know as well, I've got pages and pages of notes <laughs> because I need the, you know, the, the hooks for my brain. But anyway. Sure. Yeah. I, I found the, the Buddhist, uh, Buddhism talk interesting that he's, yeah, that. that part comes up with other Buddhists too, Carlos Alamore and Rupert mm, and Duncan. Yep. And, um, I I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. My, uh, my wife's actually just started looking into it. She's taking a uh, mindfulness class. 
mm. at a Buddhist temple, um, and it seems to be helping her out, which is kind of you know easing yes. all the thoughts in your head kind of, of scenario. She's one of these people where she just cannot turn her brain off. Like even when we're just sitting watching TV, like she's thinking about, well, we got this project, and I want to start a business, and I want to do this, and yeah. It's yeah. kind of helping out to that. That's good. I um I haven't my my understanding of it is that it's probably more of a practice that people get so into they could view it as a religion, or is it a religion that would replace something like Christianity? That's the thing I'm still fuzzy on. You know what I mean? It it's both at the same time. Okay. It it's uh, but different. What, I think people get Howard into it for too. different reasons. Yeah, okay. from how she's described it to me. Like, I don't think we're going to start going to a Buddhist temple every Sunday, right? But she enjoys the class and just the ease of you know thoughts okay. and yeah. know, relaxation. And you know, it's interesting. Even all the world religions kind of have you know whether it's prayer or you know Buddhism yeah. and meditation and whatnot that they all have some sort of quiet. Definitely. Or encourage that if yes. nothing else. Yes. Yeah. Inner kind of contemplation. Yeah, I, I agree. I um I not to I would never compare these two things in any other way, but I've wondered similar things about Scientology. Like I can't I'm not sure if Scientology is based on Christianity or if G I don't think Jesus plays into a part. I don't care if he does or not. I'm just trying to understand what these religions are about. I don't think Scientology is based on Christianity or Jesus Christ at all. Yep. Um, I think it's more of like a practice withholding the things and, you know, saving yourself or versus therapy or whatever it might be. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I haven't quite figured it out. I do say, I feel like too, though, in today's like uh, mental health being such a hot topic and keyword in a lot of people's lives that, having that kind of inner strength. In fact, I've kind of come full circle and a lot of, I've been thinking about religion in general a lot lately. This is a, we're just going to share it on this rock podcast, whether you want to hear it or not. <laughs> I've come to the, I've come to the realization that people just want to feel something and they want to feel like they're a part of something and they want to have hope in something and they want to lean on something and they want to be a, have friends they want to be a part of something and the church feels that fills that need for people. And it gets confusing and ruined when you're a militant Christian or pious, whose mind is better than yours. When, if you just like, this is when people say they hate organized religion. And I think I, I understand that, but to me, organized religion is really natural because if we were all out in the wild and I felt some way about, insects and you felt some way about insects andy yep. we might decide to get together in the same spot in the in the brush to talk about insects every week you know sure. and then we might meet someone else and they're like oh i love insects you should come talk to me and andy we took we meet every sunday to talk about insects yeah. here in this you know whatever swamp in the middle of africa and then we look just, at grasshoppers and ladybugs, right, yeah. you know, or whatever. And then it just, that's, these are very natural people naturally want to be together, you know? And I just yeah. feel like that's the, the purpose of the service that churches provide. A, is, a, your tribe. Cool. Yes, that's it. Yeah. That's a tribe. Yeah. That's my common response to Mormonism is that I'm not, I'm not the firm deep believer that I used to be, but I love being a part of my tribe and a part of my people. I love that. That's what binds Yan and I and everyone else together, you know? 
So and, I use it for that. Yeah, and my religion is the Hustle Podcast. Hey, all, that's great too. All my spiritual, all my friends are Hustle Podcast <laughs> listeners. That's great. They bust my balls, Eric Miller, uh, about my love for the podcast. Alex, well, when, good. <laughs> I was I was going to say when you were talking about the mindfulness stuff and people, you know, with helping with with uh, your wife with their mind going all the time. Yep. You know, I, I guess I don't have that problem. I can completely empty my mind really quickly and really? Then stay, yeah and then say stupid stuff <laughs> <laughs> see i'm well. with you Yan. i can i can focus and just chill out and shut you know whatever thing in my brain off and just you know concentrate on the uh, tv show or music i'm listening yeah. to and not wander i used to be uh more like your wife i have calmed down i think part of that is that my wife my Farah is very much like your wife. Her yep. brain is always going and that can be exhausting yes. to be on the other end. Yes. And so there's just no point in both of us having our brains, <laughs> you know, hamsters in the hamster wheels constantly. Okay. Well, so oh, uh, you know, I, I, yes, I yes. have another question about Howard. So does he play in Salt Lake like every year? Uh, I, I don't know that it, every year might be strong, but he does pass through anytime he's in the States. He'll play at least one, sometimes two, sometimes three nights in Salt Lake City. Wow. And if he's doing quick one-off things, I think he always makes it a point to play. Like I, he a few years ago, 10 years ago, more now, he did this tour where he played the first two albums in their entirety. Hmm. And he played in Salt Lake City. And then like eight months later, did the actual tour. And I, oh. saw, I saw both shows. I drove to Utah and saw him with my brother, Steve. And then I saw him when he came back through here. And it, like I always say, in Utah, he played this giant outdoor amphitheater. And when I saw him in Denver, he played a club that's a normal, like, 500-seater or whatever. So he, I, I don't know. He probably could. He could probably just say, you know what? I'm a little short on the rent this month. <laughs> I'm going to go play a show in Salt Lake and take care of it like that, you know? You know, instead of, like, going to... Uh you know, the Vegas strip or something, you know, That's doing right. a, a two week it sellout all on engagement. Red or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or that even better. Yeah. He's playing at the blue iguana in uh, Salt Lake. Red iguana. Get oh, right. Red. Sorry. Actually, sorry. they did eventually create a blue iguana. I think it closed down. <laughs> did you know that Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top said the best Mexican food is at the red iguana in Salt Lake City? Did he say that on Mark Maron's podcast? Yes, he did. I Good. thought I, I, I remember right. listening to that. I'm like, John's talked about that. That's place. right. Okay. That's right. Yep. You know, Good for you. You know, Minneapolis kind of has a version of uh, of uh, Howard with Salt Lake. Mark Cohn of Walking in Memphis. Oh, really? Fame, yeah. That guy played here every summer for, it had to have been 30 plus years. Really? Um, and usually all, because the Minnesota Zoo has an outdoor amphitheater. And every year it would kind of be the same acts like Los Lobos probably played, mm. you know, 20 years straight sure but mark but mark cohen would always play here every summer wow and, and, and we have to be going on three decades huh uh, whatever that album came out what was that like 90 90 91 something yeah. like that 91 wow so and i've and i've never understood the attraction that's uh, interesting um similarly blues traveler have a standing show at red rocks every fourth of july I'm pretty sure it's either, I think it's either on the 4th of July or like the day or before or the day after. And it's been every year that I know of 
for like 20 years or something. You mean the 15 years you've lived in Denver? Yes. yes. Uh, it's more, okay. it's more, we're more up to like 17. Uh, 17? Now. Okay. Yeah, so, right. so. Anyway. Oh, but, been... I mean, they're a band that, you know, they kind of came and went. I don't know that they're yeah, selling yeah, out yeah. Red Rocks anywhere <laughs> else. And yet here, they have a standing engagement every 4th of July here at Red Rocks. It's crazy. Huh. You know, Steve Lillywhite did a little album at Red Rocks. Yeah, I think you mentioned that on the podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Talk about surreal. I, I That was... Um, before he agreed to the interview, we talked on the phone yeah. and, um, he said, where are you, where are you? And I said, Oh, I'm in, I'm in Denver. And he said, Oh yeah, I recorded an album with you too with, in Denver. Of course like, you did. As if I didn't know, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, yes, I'm aware that you did that. It's world famous. You know? <laughs> was that, was that uh, Joshua tree that he recorded there? Uh, I think it was, uh, songs of, innocence i'm not yes, sure anyway yeah. it's just crazy that he would even have to say that it's like yes i'm right. aware that you did that <laughs> he did red, the u2 um under a blood red sky yes the famous clip of them doing sunday, sunday. bloody sunday and yeah. the weather being bad yeah he recorded all of that it's crazy um okay yeah. let's see after that, there was BJ's book. I'm just really happy for my friend. I'm so yeah. happy. I'm, I'm amazed. I think I was talking with uh, Tom Moorman, the producer, yesterday. You there mean, it is. Yes. John, this band has no past. How Cheap Trick Became Cheap Trick by Brian yes. Cramp. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm trying to get into the focus here. It's not. I got <laughs> my laundry out. room bur blurry here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both have the blur function up, but yes, I have my cop, my copy too. And I've seen, and, and I'm just so happy for him. He hooked me up with uh, Tom Worman, the producer, mm -hmm. and I interviewed Tom yesterday. That'll be out eventually. Oh, nice. And Tom and I were talking about the book and I just, I, I was saying to Tom, I feel like all of us think we can write a book or yeah, I'd love to write a book, but no one actually does it. I've been thinking right. about doing this for decades and I never do it. But BJ did it and he made it happen and he wrote what is basically the essential origin story of Cheap Trick. And I'm just so proud of him, you know? Yeah. So proud. I actually, I actually did a little uh, scouting on Facebook in some Cheap Trick groups and uh, uh, really nothing but positive or glowing re Good. remarks. So I'm so glad. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. Um, Okay, after BJ was Richard James Burgess. He's a producer, another one that I've had on my mind for a long time. He and I share birthdays, and we've been <laughs> Facebook friends for years, although he doesn't didn't know at all who I was. He just accepted my request or whatever. And I've been meaning to have him on for years, and when I saw that he went on Electronically Yours with Martin Ware, I thought, well, okay, what I, I got scooped by Martin Ware. I, I got to <laughs> step on this. And they, as they often do, spend more time talking about gear and stuff like that, which is, makes sense because that's what they're more interested in. So I thought, well, I'm going to do the better, I'm going to do the real interview with Richard about his music, not about the gear. And he was so nice. And he's another one I, I'm humble bragging again. He emailed me afterwards and said what a great interview it was. And he was like, you're so good at this. I'm so jealous. I'm terrible at these kinds of things. And it just, it means a lot when these people, you know, throw those kinds of compliments your way and uh and i i mentioned this on there but if you go look him up he's invented a bunch of things he sits on the board of a of a bunch of things he's written all these books he's a mastermind at all of this technical stuff yeah. that we didn't even get to because i wanted to focus on the music so sure. anyway 
Although I, I do take umbrage with the uh, hexagon electronic drums that he created. Why? Those were so 80s. badass back in the day. Come on. You know, I look back at a lot of those like mid 80s videos and you see uh-huh. those electric drums and then the little skinny guitars. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. And I go, no, I'm a purist. I love the big pearl drums and the big, you know, full uh, yeah. you know, Stratocasters and the full body Gibsons and. I know, I know. You're <sighs> you're right. You're right. But they did look very 80s back in the day. Yes, yes. It, it cool does. It, it would show up in Stranger Things, no problem. Yes, yeah. Oh, there you go. I forgot to mention this to you. You know, you've you've uh, you mentioned uh, Kate Bush with uh, Richard James. Um, yeah. And I I know that running up the hill has reached critical mass. When I was at a Minnesota Twins game in August, and they played that in between innings. Really? And I'm like I'm at a U.S. sporting event, and they're playing Kate Bush. No and there was way. actually people in the crowd that were like, "Oh yeah, that's the Stranger Things song." Wild. Blew I, my uh, mind. We went on vacation to Seattle a couple of months ago and uh, to see my in-laws and we just had the car radio to listen to and several times on that trip running up that hill came on the top 40 station. You know, there's Dua Lipa there's running <laughs> up that hill. Then there's, you know, the baby Sheeran or something like that. Yeah. I'm just what Lizzo. Yeah. Lizzo and, and Kate just fits Bush. right in Harry Styles and everything. It's crazy to me, but I'm really glad for her. She'd be bucket list concert for me. Uh, mm. Bucket list concert and interview, but I don't know that either will. You might get to see a, a concert yeah. at some point because she might do some something in London at some point that you could travel to. Yeah, she sells out. In the, I mean, I have lost. Yeah, she does. The last two are so light in minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be a fun one. Um, okay. Let me try and get through some of these. Martin Popoff's Bowie book was so good, but he was so weird. Some of his hot takes, he doesn't like Ziggy. He didn't think Ziggy's <laughs> outfits fit him very well. He thought the music was too old-timey and samey. And I just thought, one of our listeners, I don't remember who it was, said, was that just a money grab or what? And I thought, yeah, kind of. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I appreciate, what I appreciated about the book was that Mart, it wasn't, a giant love fest. He was critical of Bowie too. I think you have to do that, but it was just so odd to me. So it was like, do you even like David Bowie? The (laughs) things you're complaining about are the things that like made him a legend, you know? So strange. Uh, Did he love tin machine though? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't remember. I don't think so. He probably is a big, he's probably the tin machine fan. then. Probably, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, I will say when I was in Texas visiting Brent, we went and saw that Bowie movie and, uh, neither of us loved it. And the reason I say that though, is the guy who directed it, I don't like his style. He did a direct, he did a documentary on Kurt Cobain called montage of heck that fair and I saw at Sundance a few years ago. And it's very kind of avant-garde art piece. It's not a linear documentary, which is fine. I've seen plenty of linear documentaries on Bowie. But it's so the it's such a like overwhelming pounding of your senses that it's more like an art project than it is a doc, and that's totally fine. Except I don't like this guy's style, so it was like a six out of ten for me. But I think if a lot of people love it, and that's great, I'm glad they love it. Oh, uh, real quick here, John, uh, as you mentioned Sundance um, a couple of years ago, you interviewed all those guys from the immediate family. 
documentary. Yes, thank um, you for reminding Cooch, me. Yes, Lee Sklar, um, oh, Astell, Waddy, and Waddy um, Wachtel. Yep, Uncle Russ Kunkel. Yep, Russ Kunkel. Yep. So that movie has finally been released into the uh, f- documentary film circuit. So they're nice. going around shopping at all the uh, film festivals as of last month, I think. Okay, I think you're right. So finally, I mean, you did all those interviews like right as COVID started, because I think I they know, were trying true. to release it in 2020. Yeah. Here we are at the end of 2022. I know, it's crazy. And a little thing that's interesting about that, their publicist, I think her name was Lisa Roy, and she also happened to be Cooch's girlfriend. Ah. And she died like out of nowhere a couple of years ago. And I had wanted to invite each one of them back on to do a deep dive with me. Yeah. And, but Lisa was my contact. Your go-to. Yeah. Yeah. And she died. And so I don't know how to reach anyone. And they're, you know, they're not sitting at home thinking about me. Like I am sitting about that, thinking about them, but anyway, just, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't do rare songs and the soil dove for you. And, no, I don't no. think so. No, okay. you need to have uh, Denny Tedesco on the producer who did that and the Wrecking Crew. I'll uh, I'll see what I can do, John. Hook me up. Hook I'll me up, Andy. Um, okay, real quick, guy from uh, Guy Chadwick from the House of Love. This is another one I've wanted to do for years. Um, I felt a little weird because I have not loved their last couple of albums. They felt like demos to me, kind of really undercooked. But the new album is good. I've got it in my car right now. And um, I was afraid, too, that he would be a little prickly. I'd heard that he might be, but he wasn't at all. He was great. And he was open to discussing my questions about drugs and writer's block and prickly behavior. He handled all of it. And um, so, yeah, I I don't know that if you didn't know the House of Love, hopefully you heard something that you like. They're currently on tour in the States right now, and I'm so jealous they're not coming anywhere near me. I wish they were. But that was kind of a dream one as well. I don't know that anyone has anything major to ta- say about it, but it was a good one. No, um, really? Okay. After that was Anvil. So here's the deal. Um, Anvil was one of the first guests I ever had. And um, I think about it a lot because at the time it was much closer to the movie, right? So they were still kind of a bigger, big deal. And I just felt so validated that I was getting someone as big as Rob Reiner from Anvil on the show, you know? <laughs> and, um, when it came up that this movie was coming out and I was being pitched, do you want to do this? And I thought, well, I've already had them on and I feel like I've sort of done it already. You know, I think I'm good. And then they emailed me again and it was, instead of the, I get a lot of PR emails that are just kind of spam. We're handling this person. Are you interested? They followed it up with a direct email to me, John, um, are you free next week to talk to Rob and lips for, an hour or whatever on Wednesday. And when that happened, I couldn't, I felt bad saying no. And so, and I thought too, like how hard is it to talk to Robin lips? They're funny. And that movie is great. So I thought, let's do it one more time. No problem. I was glad the director was there. He was very lively. He still has all his faculties, whereas Robin lips are a little burnt out. (laughs) And, uh, but it was fun. And I hope that movie does really well because it's one of the great rock doc centers. Well, then you got to do the kind of the follow-up of how's, you know, things yes. changed since then. True. Very true. So. Yeah. It's been fun to learn like how they're, and just knowing, just being able to know for sure that Lips hasn't had to go back to a regular job since that movie yeah. came out. Good for him. Right. You know, God bless those guys. And they played with ACDC. Who, who wouldn't love that? True. And I, you know, one of the things I feel 
I'll just admit it. I, I feel like their music, most of it is thrashy, but not catchy. And I felt like that was maybe one of the things that had kept Anvil from getting to the next level is they're, they don't, they're both incredible musicians, especially Rob is a great drummer, but there's, they haven't written a song with like a really good hook, you know, that's, yeah. that's going to move a, a huge audience, but their last album was really strong, especially for them. And so I was glad to, I wanted to talk about that too. Maybe you got to hook them up with Diane Warren, try to get some That's radio it. friendly That's <laughs> She came up on the uh, expose conversation yesterday too. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, okay. After that was Tony James. I just am blown away that this guy who, and again, he's another one I've been trying to get on here for years and never heard back from. Finally found him through some old Zig Zig Sputnik fan site <laughs> that's still out there somewhere. And I just thought, how is it that you are in this band, Generation X, that is important, but, you know, didn't, other than co-writing Dancing with Myself that Billy made popular later, Yep. and then you're in Zig Zig Sputnik, and you have this odd Love Missile F-111 or whatever song that was big in Ferris Bueller, I believe, (laughs) but... Yes. And that enough is, that, that alone will pay for, like, a great life for the rest of your years right that's crazy to me john hughes yeah go ahead yeah go ahead yeah just just the ferris bueller thing that'll do it all right that's true yeah that moves on all the time so many people owe so much to john hughes i they tell do. you they really do yeah. they really do i just thought that was amazing and he was so funny when he's like oh what do you do every day tony well i get up and I walk around my garden and I play Wordle and I might take a guitar with me and I might strum something and think, oh, that sounds nice. And I'll get with Steve Jones sometimes yeah. and Generation Sex shows. And I just, what a life, you know, yeah, no that's kidding. like hitting the lottery. And he, he was a, he was a great guy. He, he, he emailed me twice asking when his episode was going to come out, <laughs> which was really sweet of him. I thought that was really sweet. What's funny is I don't think he's shared it anywhere. I don't know if he's even on social media, but whatever. It, <laughs> it did really well, and I was humbled that he thought that. Uh, Tarquin doesn't come up in that one. Tarquin Gotch, he didn't come up in that, did he? No, I, um, I, no, I meant to. It's funny you say that. I've emailed Tarquin half a dozen times lately, yeah. because, um, and I have not heard back, and it's starting to hurt my feelings. The main reason is that the police reissued uh, Ghost in the Machine on vinyl a mm. week or two ago, and there was there was some promotion about it, and Stuart Copeland and mm-hmm. Annie Summers both posted about it on their Facebook pages. And one of the things, I would love to talk to either of them. One of the things that holds me back is, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not really interested in anything, but police stuff you know yeah, yeah or at least not i mean it's like 45 minutes of police and 10 or 15 minutes of your opera career or whatever <laughs> but i thought well if this this would be a great opportunity to focus mainly on my favorite police album yeah. and uh and have a reason to talk and tarquin is stewart's manager uh-huh. and so i emailed him several times leading up i never heard back i had to i did finally hear back from tarquin's assistant who said no and then <laughs> Just the other day, Brian Johnson from ACDC posted that he's got his new memoir coming out, and Tarquin manages him, too. So I messaged him again, hey, me again, do you think Brian would talk to me? 
haven't heard anything. Well, I know they were supposed to be doing some huge box set of all the John Hughes music from the movies. And I think really? he was the, I think he was the executive producer on that. that makes that's, sense. that's why I think he would be great to have come back and talk about that box set. I, it's either yeah. out or coming out. I'm not okay. sure. But, you know, as I've called him right. before, John, lucky bastard for having dated Kelly LeBrock. Maybe he is, uh, I don't know, is he currently married? Maybe he's reunited with her. I don't know. Maybe they're got- off in a love fest somewhere. I don't he know. He turned his cell phone off like Georgia, and you can't get yeah, a hold of him. I can't get a hold of him anymore. You're going to be busting your center council of your Tesla. <laughs> Where's Tarquin, damn it? That's how it feels, man. That's how it feels when these people ignore you. Um, okay, after that was the Smithereens deep dive. I, um, Andy, you and I have been talking for yes. years about getting Jim back on here to do to deep dive that one. You and, might have uh, mentioned it once or twice. Yes. Once or twice. Once or and twice. I, I always felt guilty because Jim had a day job and only really did interviews on his commute home yep. in the car. And I just thought, I don't know that I want to bug him again, but I really want to do this. And so when the Lost album came out last week, and I was getting emails about it from PR people, and I thought, well, now's my chance. And they uh, they hooked me up with Dennis. And so we yeah. were able to do both at once. Yeah, uh, it's great. Uh, actually, him and Jim Babjack have been out on the podcast circuit. I've probably listened to about 10 interviews that they've either done solo and a couple of them they've even done together. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really pushing this lost album, which, you know, it took a little while to grow on me, but now I'm really liking it. Good. I'm, um, uh, I'm waiting for some, they're supposed to mail me some copies to give away to people, yeah. by the way. So hopefully that happens. And we should say Jim did a great interview with our buddy, Noel on oh, reliving yeah. my youth recently. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I almost, that was, I almost, I felt like I messed up on a couple of things. I didn't get my facts completely <laughs> straight. I forgot that there was a video. One of the songs I thought sounded like a single turns out it was, and I didn't really remember that. And uh, um, the video for, uh, oh gosh, lost, uh, drowning in my tears. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. It was like a concert okay. video and then yes, they were in yes. the UK with an old That's guy it. at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> I had told you that the house i used to live in single yeah that part was gonna be pressed up as a seven inch single with the picture sleeve and it got shelved for whatever reason because i think it was the third third single released and they got all the picture sleeves and they're like in some storage locker somewhere and uh-huh. they sell them on their website and that's what i got a copy for you me and ken mills and i had yeah. jim autograph them a couple of years ago right um that, so that was never a properly released single, but they did release like a 12 inch promo version. So, cause then that was what the DJs would play at the radio station. So it would get on the radio and I didn't really give you all those details. Well, I think and, you did at the time, but I had it, forgotten yeah. them, you know, and poor and Dennis so, didn't know all the details. <laughs> I know. And I thought, all I got to do is mention this. He'll know all that inside <laughs> stuff. And he didn't. So it got kind of weird there for a second, but yeah, anyway. and then you you forgot that Don Dixon produced uh, the 2011 yes, album. I thought Ed, Ed Stasium uh, did St- the 2011. Stasium. He's another person I'm emailing with. We were supposed to talk a few Ooh. months ago, and he said, "I'm just busy. Let's do this later." So he and I should be talking here very soon. Yeah, that'd be um, good. Yeah, once again, join Patreon, and you can <laughs> submit all the questions you want. Right, five dollars a month, That's people. Right. Five dollars a month, man. Set it, forget it. Um, let, okay, let, let Yan eat. <laughs> That's true. We've <laughs> got to keep Yan in Urnbrew. <laughs> this is how we do it. Oh, 
I can I can keep myself in there. That, that when Nicholas comes for for summer, you have no idea how. Much oh, I believe it. Me. You guys go through like cases every day. I believe it. I believe mm -hmm. it. Pretty much. Um, yeah. Good. All right. Last up was Billy Bragg. I uh, I this one really really inspired me. I was so taken aback by his responses to the current political climate and that he chooses to focus on empathy. I thought that was so telling and just the right answer. And I wish that I had the courage to be more like that. Um, it was interesting. It sparked some odd Twitter exchanges. I, uh, our good friend, Mark at the eightiesography podcast replied to the, my tweet saying something like no one has ever disappointed me as much as Billy Bragg. And I, but I, I couldn't make sense of why something to do with trans rights or women, or I think he supported Jeremy Corbyn and Corbyn wasn't good on those issues or I'm, I'm fuzzy on the whole thing. And it really blew up. Billy and Mark were going back and back, back and forth on Twitter with each other. It was so strange. And, um, anyway, and then there was, I, I probably shouldn't mention this, but I'm going to anyway, I, referred to Billy as a national treasure, which I think he is. I think anyone who's fighting for the right causes is a national treasure. And uh, Pat Francis replied and said, in England. And I'm thinking, what do you mean by that? And apparently it just bothered Pat Francis enough that it's like, you're so annoyed that someone could be a national treasure somewhere in a country where they're not as popular as their home country that you need to clarify it. He's not a national treasure in, in America, only in England, because he was never that big here. And so, don't be the don't be the national treasure police. You know, let's just the <laughs> Billy Bragg is a force for good everywhere he goes. Like, just let it go. You don't have to be the troll that calls him out that he's not popular enough in America to like be officially labeled national treasure i just thought am i misunderstanding I would, what's going on here i would say don't be a debbie downer yeah yeah <laughs> and i hate to say that because pat's a friend i mean he's a right. friend of mine but i just thought what an odd response like that you would be so you know angered or provoked or triggered by this comment that you gotta like throw water on it and then he, hmm. he i was texting him on the side like are you upset about something he said oh i didn't realize that Billy was on that. I deleted my comment and whether he's on or not, you don't need to make the comment. Like, just let it go. You know, you sure he wasn't just, uh, you know, busting your balls a little on that. Uh, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think oh. he was. I think he, that was just, I don't know what he just needed <laughs> to make sure everyone knew that he's not a national treasure in this country, only in the UK, but anyway, <laughs> just an odd response. Sure. Um, okay. So that's all the episodes. What's left are some concert chats. Do you need to go Andy? I'm going to have to run here, but uh, I did see okay. your list of concerts that you went to, John. And yes. as I as I told you before, for a guy who sits and complains to these guests about, oh, I never get to see you. You never come through Denver. You sure go to a lot of shows in Denver. I do. I make, I, I make good use of who's coming through Denver. I, I do the best I can, especially lately. And especially thanks. I, I say this with all humility. I am so fortunate that. I get to go to a lot of these shows for free, you know, a lot of these people who I've, who come through town, I've been on the show and they, they hooked me up. I'm really mm -hmm. grateful. I am so humbled I, by it. 
I, I pay for mine. Make sure. So put one on my <laughs> I always tell Yan when some guy, I'm like, just tell him you just ask him. I'll ask for you. I'm passing through Edinburgh and I need a ticket. I can get you a ticket. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want to pay for these. I want to support them. And I do too. I admit, but we're, we've done our part. The podcast is the support. This is our gift, you know, in return. So sure. anyway. All right. Well, when I need a hookup at the soil dove, I'm calling you next brother. time you're here. We're going to go see them. All Something. right. All right. See you. Andy. All, right. All right. Take care, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Thanks buddy. We'll see you yeah. later. Take care. Have a good one, Andy. Yep. Bye. Bye. Okay, Yan, let's see. I'll just quickly, I don't need to spend a lot of time on these, but I'll just quickly recount the shows I've seen because I get asked about them a lot. Um, I was able to go to see Styx, Ario Speedwagon, and Loverboy. It was an absolute blast. Um, I was able to do that for free, thankfully, because Ricky Phillips of Styx, I've been going back and forth with his people for about a year to have him come Uh on the show, and it's never quite worked out. And so I was like, look, I almost, I never ask for tickets to shows unless I've had the person on, but you know, I've been trying to get him on forever and it's never worked out. Is there any chance I could get a free ticket? And they gave me one. So fair. And I went and saw them together and all three of those bands are still in top, top form. They were great. Uh, that was like the third or fourth time I've seen Loverboy, and they bring it every night. God bless those guys. They are so great. I had a VIP ticket uh, offer to see them a few a number of years back. Really, in Kansas? Just, yeah, the Riverfest because yeah. uh, myself and the guy I worked with at the time pulled a ridiculous amount of hours trying to to recover um, a messy situation where the whole plant had to be sent home on a Friday mm. because something had created really bad. And so I got offered a, a VIP pass the next weekend, but I was on call. So I didn't, Oh shoot! I, I didn't take it just in case. Oh man. Yeah. You missed social distortion recently too. Cause you were on call. Yeah. Oh, and they're like one of your very favorites. We yep. love them. Yeah. Okay. Well then uh, after that was cowboy junkies. That was great. I talked about it. Mary fall. I talked about that one too. Um, I got a guy that I know from church. Um, he and his wife had two tickets to see the shins at red rocks. And the day before they realized they couldn't go and he knew I was a big music guy. And so he offered me his tickets for free. And I went with my buddy, Tim and we were on the second row. And for anyone who doesn't that, I mean, we've all been, uh, if you don't know what the second row at red rocks mean, we, I was literally like 10 feet from the stage and this venue is gigantic and if you've ever been in a large venue seeing a show where you can hear like the guy hitting the drum before the sound has been amplified throughout the rest of the room it was almost and you're too close to look at the big screens that the rest of the crowd sees you notice you're right there the only people in front of us were like people in wheelchairs and stuff. We were right there. And if you've ever been to oh, Red wow. Rocks or been anywhere near it, you know that, that w- it was crazy to be that close to the Shins. And they played their whole first album, and then they played some extra hits, and they went off for the encore, and they came back and couldn't play anymore. They announced that uh, Lightning was getting too close to the venue, and so they were told they couldn't keep playing, so they had to cut it short. So it was only a little over an hour, and then sure enough, Tim and I are walking back to the car and it starts pouring rain, 
pouring rain. And uh, it was probably for the best that they didn't keep going because we all would have been sitting out there uh, seeing it. But anyway, it was an excellent show. I hadn't seen them since back in their heyday. They're a really great band. Um, are you familiar with the Shins at all? I should be, but off the okay. top of my head, I can't remember. Yeah, they're kind of more of like an indie band that got big there for a while. Um, not surprised. They had some really good stuff, though. After that, I got to talk about this house show. So one of our listeners, Steve Howard, bless him. He lives in Southern California, and he contacted me a few months ago, and he said, look, I know you're a big fan of the Chameleons. Mark Burgess, the lead singer of the Chameleons, is coming to perform in my backyard, and I would love it if you would be here. Oh and man. Yes. And so I I bought a ticket to Southern California and I went down there and saw Mark Burgess of the Chameleons perform in my friend Steve's backyard. There were maybe 10 of us just sitting literally on lawn furniture, you know, watching Mark and his guitarist. It was Mark on an acoustic guitar and he brought Steven on a an electric guitar and they played all these songs. It was it was one of the most incredible experiences. And before that, I mean, Mark is just sitting in the lawn furniture on the back porch like the rest of us. And uh, the, uh, like the Lily White interview had just come out and um, Lily White worked with the Chameleons. And I said, oh, I just talked to Steve Lily White about you. And he goes, oh, that guy's a wanker. And was, <laughs> Whoa. So, anyway, we had the most, it was, we're all just sitting on the back, back patio shooting the breeze and telling him how much we love him. And then he performs and then we're saying goodnight. And Steve had a whole spread of food and it was incredible. I'm standing, you know, two feet away while he's performing soul in isolation, which is one of my favorite songs ever. And it was surreal. And so, uh, I actually interviewed Mark also this last week, that episode will be coming out later. Oh, that'll be good. Cause yeah, I really liked, uh, John, John, remember John. Yeah, and he he died a few months later, unfortunately. But anyway, just surreal. So thank you, Steve. Oh, and by the way, so Steve Steve and I started brainstorming about other shows. And Steve's and I because this has been a dream of mine to have someone come play at my house too. And Steve goes, Look, if you ever set it up, I'll go half with you. And we started talking about the people we were thinking about inviting. And I've reached out to a couple of them. And uh I will announce this later, but it's looking like maybe next year for my birthday, my 50th, I might have one of our prior guests come play at our house. And if I do, anyone who wants to come can come and we'll, uh, we'll see what I'll happens. Be there. Yeah. Um, I think it's okay. If I mention this, I'm actually talking with Nick Hayward. Do you remember Nick Hayward from haircut yep. 100? Uh-huh. Yeah. I've been talking with him about this. I don't know. It's the early stages. Um, but I, that might be happening next year and I'll let everyone know. So thank you, Steve and his family. He's got the most beautiful daughters and wife and we all just hung out and his daughter, they all love, first of all, they listen to our show, which is crazy to me. His daughters do. And one of them plays the guitar and she got up and played songs with Mark and Steven. It was just, it was surreal. It was such a great experience. Thanks again, Steve. Um, okay. After that, there was the driver era, which I don't expect anyone to know. They're a young band, really hot lead singer who my daughter is completely in love with. And so it was her and her <laughs> girlfriends. And I got recruited to be the one because it was a 16 and over show and Georgia wasn't 16 yet. So I got recruited to be the one to kind of be the chaperone 
at their concert and um she loves them they're actually a really good band but i saw them if anyone knows who they are let me know after that was nick Lowe and elvis costello i have seen nick many times i've seen both of them uh, a few times in fact i just saw nick with megan uh last fall so i wasn't planning on going i've seen elvis a couple of times and i don't feel like he's that great live and sometimes i love elvis and sometimes i don't so my buddy ray had a spare ticket and like the day before or something said do you want to go with me and i yeah sure enough so i went and then he didn't end up going he couldn't go so i just went to see nick and elvis by myself one night and it was it was great but uh i you know thanks to ray for the free ticket um after that was this french group called nouvelle vague which is french for new wave they do like bossa nova versions of 80s new wave songs uh, they do more mm-hmm. than that but that's primarily what they're known for i've always loved their stuff and um, good. it is actually really really good they sing with these heavily heavy french accents but the music is all kind of bossa nova bossa nova or like french pop or it's great and they play this little club it's actually during the day it's a pizza place and at night it's a concert venue it's the same place where i saw big country with mike peters actually and um it's an odd little place but they played there and it was great i had a it was a beautiful show um after that we uh some of us went and saw the killers with johnny marr we took um a couple of two other couples who are like some of our best friends we've the last few months we've started this thing where the first saturday of every month we get together and go out to dinner because when covid was starting to happen it was harder to do that and then we just felt like we needed to make time to be together and see each other and so that was our monthly exchange and what was interesting is no one there knew that johnny marr used to play for the smiths and so when he he closed his show with how soon is now and everyone's like oh i love that song i can't believe he played how soon is now and i said well you know he wrote that song right you know that's him playing he was he's the original guy you knew that right they didn't know that and um yeah he was so good and the killers i mean you know this yeah you saw them recently didn't you yes i saw them in june yeah 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 because incredible right it was the monday the week of delamitri oh yeah yeah yeah. okay yes yeah that that probably one of the best live shows i've seen for a while yes although although i have to say the best one i've seen was alice cooper that that is a show (laughs) that was so much fun when we did that alice cooper the mission and the tubes at the hydro it's almost exactly five years ago, I think. Yeah, coming up for five. Yeah, that was one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the Killers. I, I mean, you know this, being LDS and having Brandon be LDS. He's kind of our golden boy, and uh, we're just so grateful that he made it. That he's popular, famous, and also still you know, sticks with Mormonism because most people don't when they start getting rich and famous. And, um, so we're, he's just our golden boy and to watch him. I've seen, I had seen the killers several times live, but it was all on their first album when they were just starting to get good and, uh, they were okay, but they weren't a very good live band and now they're incredible. And he's really grown into being this excellent front man and just watching him 
with Johnny Marr as his opener, knowing that he and I grew up in the same place, listening to the same kind of music, knowing what that must mean to him. It's surreal. I'm just really proud of him and proud of those guys. And um, they're an incredible band. And I'm glad that they've, you know, the world loves the killers. I'm grateful for that because they're so good. Well, I think for him, probably growing up in Vegas probably prepared him for the entertainment world. No, no. I think problem. you're right. Absolutely. He saw. That's a very good point. He um, he has that entertainment gene, and I'm sure that's why. Um, you know, he, he probably having that around him all the time, able to yeah. cope with the demands of very of good point entertainment. He, and he knows how to put on a show. He's seen enough yeah. shows, you know? Yeah, agreed. Uh, after that was the First Ladies of Disco. So that was that included Martha Wash. I'm um, jealous. I know. <laughs> I knew yeah. you would be. And it was at the Soil Dub. So it was um, Martha Wash, who's been on, Linda Clifford, who's been on, and Norma Jean Wright, who sang with Chic. And she hasn't been on. But the three of them tour together as the first ladies of disco and i remember think now i couldn't get free tickets to the show because the person who handled marcia has since passed away unfortunately and the person who handled linda doesn't have a relationship with the label or whatever that made that interview happen so if i was going to go to that show i was going to pay for it myself and the tickets were 60 bucks so not cheap but my thinking was no brainer exactly that was my thinking too yeah i knew you would appreciate this too so my thinking was you know when i talked to let's be honest i live in denver which is a pretty diverse city compared to salt lake city but it's it's difficult we don't have a lot of black r&b acts to come through and when i especially not legacy acts and whenever i hear we have jeffrey osborne on here or martha wash or George McRae or whatever. And they talk about the shows that they do. And I always think that sounds so much like so much fun. Those shows never come through here. If they did, I would go, you know, but I never even mm -hmm. get the chance and here this one did. And I thought I, I, if I had heard about this, I would think it was so much fun and 60 bucks shouldn't be the deterrent from going. And I'm so glad that I did. Norma Jean came out first and saying, and frankly, she wasn't that great. It sounded a little bit like maybe she, didn't remember a lot of the lyrics. It was a little rough. She came out and did a part. And then Linda came out, did a part. She did great. Linda was great. And then Martha came out and did a, her part. They all sing a few songs together. Then they come out one by one. And then they sing a few songs together at the end. Martha has it all still. She sounds just as good as she ever did. Um, she did not sing Everybody Dance Now, which is interesting. But that was her, like the music that played when she came onto the stage. Um, mm -hmm. she clearly has the best voice of all of them still. And she sang dream on remember oh. how much we loved her version. of Dream Oh, on? that is, that's better than the, yes, one. yes. She did a version of that. And of course I'm yelling more than high, louder than everyone. Cause I love, I know I love that version. So I was really glad that I supported it. And, um, anyway, if you get a chance, it's fun. It's a fun night. After that was Echo yeah. and the buddy men. That was a, Good shot. I had heard some crazy things about this tour. I guess Ian McCullough is uh, uh, back on the sauce. And so he's drinking a lot and he's had to cancel shows or cut them short because he's too drunk to perform or stumbling around or whatever. And uh, so I was nervous about 
how it was going to work out. I went with our buddy, uh, James Milton. He's one of our listeners and he lives just a few blocks away from me, which is crazy. And Will Sargent, bless his heart, put me on the list. And I bought his book, uh, that, that he was selling there in return. And the show went off. It was fine. There were a couple of times where in the middle of songs, uh, Ian would start vamping a little bit and that turned into some rambling, but they made it through. And it was funny cause he's, Ian is sitting on like a stool in the front and he's got a little table next to him. That's got a Guinness, a shot of whiskey and a glass of milk. And after each song, James and I are like, what's he going to drink? What's he going to do? And he would take a sip of the Guinness. We're like, oh man, here it goes. Or the shot of whiskey or whatever. We start getting worried. If he's going to drink the milk, we think he's okay. I should say Megan was there too. So it was the three of us kind of hanging out at the show. And so with every sip, we're all looking at each other and other people in the crowd know this too. We're all kind of looking at each other like, oh no, here goes Ian. He's going to get drunk and ruin the show. But he made it to the very end, barely. It was a great show. I love those guys. Um, after that was Gary Newman. And um, I went to that one with, I think Megan was already going. So I got a ticket. Megan was already going to that. We met up there. And I should say that one of our other listeners, Lily El-Sayed, who um, I've got, just like a lot of you, I've gotten to know pretty well over the years through social media and messaging and comments and stuff like that. She knows the Peters from The Alarm really, really well. And mm -hmm. um, so she's always been very supportive of us and the show and sharing it to fan sites and promoting it and stuff like that. She is close to Gary and was touring with him, and she was at the show too. So after the show, we all met up. And um, it was so cool to see her in person because she was so nice, and I've only ever known her from social media. Gary is a really interesting, he's another one. I got a free ticket, thankfully, because I, he's another one where I've been trying for a long time to get him on and it's never worked out. And so his people gave me a ticket, thankfully. Um, it was interesting because cars, he did like in the middle of the show. And a lot of his stuff is kind of like nine inch nails. -y, and he puts on a really great show, but yet he seems like such a mild mannered, humble guy. So I'm really excited to talk to him because I want to know where this like dichotomy of personality comes from. But it was a great show. I really recommend it. Um, are you? He'd be, he'd be one I'd want to see. Yeah, yeah. He puts on a great show, and he's a good guy. And his music—it's interesting. It sounds like Nine Inch Nails, but you can just hear a little bit of Gary's light '80s synth going through all the songs too. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It knocked me out. Um, anyway, after that was I went to Texas and saw Roxy Music. Saint Vincent opened for it. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. And then this last one, it actually happened on October 1st, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, because I went and saw the Afghan wigs, which is really interesting to me because I have never paid that much attention to the Afghan wigs. And yet their lead singer, Greg Dooley has a side project called the twilight singers. And I have all of the twilight singers albums, but I don't know why I've never paid attention to Afghan wigs. Christopher Thorne, who was the guitarist for Blind Melon and who yeah. I've stayed in touch with all this time is touring as the guitarist for Afghan Wigs. And oh, when I saw, good. yeah. And when I saw that they were coming through town, I emailed Chris and I, Christopher, sorry, he likes to go by Christopher. I said, Hey, I, I, I'd love to say hello. He said, great. You need tickets. And sure enough, he put me on the list and, uh, and I went with my buddy, Jeff, who I work uh -huh. with and, uh, 
Christopher's like, text me after the show and I'll come out and say hello. And sure enough, he came out and we chit-chatted for 10 or 15 minutes and it was great. He It's just, it's surreal, Yan, like being friendly. The thing I've been thinking about lately is um, I've just been, it's been occurring to me lately that I have in so many ways the life that I always wanted. I always wanted to be in this world a little bit at least. And now I am. And uh, we made it happen, you know? Yeah. And so thank you. And I, it would never, we would, you and I do this together and it would never happen without you. So thanks for being my partner. Oh, and well, it wouldn't happen without you. So <laughs> um, I hope you get as much enjoyment out of it as I do. I because do. I, it means a lot to me. I love listening, you know, as I'm going through editing this stuff and cleaning it up. I love some of the conversations that that, that I'm hearing, and there's there's been a few. Well, thank you. More than a more than a few over the years, where I'm just sat there, almost in tears, laughing. As I'm, we get lucky as, sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And if, you know, we we get stuff like Chris White from the the zomb- zombies. Yeah. Zombies. Getting, getting our interview into the Hall of Fame with them for a little while. We get yeah. Stu Cook and our, our bit snippet of our, one of our interviews with him. On a Netflix. I know. Talk. Was it a Netflix made one? Um, I know it's Netflix exclusive. So whether they made it or license it, that's the only place you can see it is on Netflix. So that'll be around for yeah, knows how long. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, you know we're we we're in the rock and roll swimming pool, you and I, and it just yeah. feels good to be there. You know. In fact, yeah. speaking of which, I was going to say uh, uh, an upcoming concert this week. Guy Pratt, you remember Guy Pratt from yep. a year ago or whatever it was. Um, he. <laughs> He's tour- he tours with Dick Mason of Pink Floyd, right? Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. He plays bass. Gary Kemp from Spandau Ballet plays guitar. They have their Rock on Tours podcast, which is great and really popular. They're here on Thursday. And I emailed Guy and said, hey, can I say hello? And I've never been sure because if you remember, Guy got really mad at me in the interview because I asked him about Michael Jackson and he felt like he had already talked about Michael Jackson. And so I've always wondered if guy thought I was a total loser. And so when I saw that they were coming, I thought, I don't know if he thinks I'm a loser, he's going to, he's not going to want to say hello, but if he doesn't and he likes me, then maybe he will. And so I emailed him and sure enough, he's like, yeah, I'd love to say hi. Do you need tickets? And so Megan and I are going to go see that on Thursday too, which is just surreal to me, you know? Surreal. So, so I haven't done any concerts this quarter, but I have got so this next this quarter that we're into now. Mm-hmm. I've got Cowboy Junkies, and I've got I need to get the tickets. Still, I'm going to go to see the Bison Family. Oh, nice! You love so, them. Oh, that that album is yes. amazing. Have I you, love everything you've shown me. Yeah, good. Who did they? Did they open for? Uh, they opened Delamitri? for Delamitri. Yeah, yeah they okay. opened for Delamitri, and they're a Glasgow band, and they just oh, the lead singer is amazing. Uh, Philip Seth Campbell, his name is. Okay. 
Are you going to uh, go by yourself to these concerts? I'm going with Chris Lamp. Chris Lamp, your buddy. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was like, yeah. So I'll go, so I'll be so Chris has given me a ticket for Cowboy Junkies, and I'm reciprocating with a ticket for Bison. Uh, Bison Family. Very good. And honestly, if the listeners haven't checked them out, go check them out. Go do it. Go do it. Uh, speaking of which, I think we're pretty much done, but I wanted to end it with... Uh, oh, oh, what? The, the only other thing I did was... Uh, oh, yeah. It wasn't a cat concert, but I went to the ballet instead. The last day of the quarter. I love that. Was it great? Tchaik- which, which ballet did they do? Tchaikovsky, Swan Lake. Ooh, of course. The ultimate. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I like classical music anyway, so... Yeah, and I like I like Tchaikovsky, so fabulous. That's great. Um, I want to see the Nutcracker again. Uh, anyway, well, so let's close it out with um, I. We had uh, a couple of years ago. I posted on Facebook that if anyone is, if any one of our listeners records their own music and it's available to stream or purchase, send us a link of something that you've done because we like to close out these recap episodes with a song. And we got a bunch of submissions, and over the years, I've used up all of them. And so I put it out there recently. Again, send me a link, and we'll play a song for you of yours for people to check out. And I got a bunch of submissions, so we're good for a while. Anyone who is a recording artist but didn't see my post on Facebook, get us a song somehow. Email it to us, thehustlepod at gmail.com. Twitter at the hustle pod. You can post it on Facebook. You can do whatever I would say, send it in a message so that I know it's there. If you put it in a comment, I might lose it or miss it somehow, but we'd love to hear more music and we'll just keep playing songs by you guys as often as we can. So I'm kicking off. This is, we're going to end this episode, this recap episode with a group called the scroll. And they are from one of our listeners. I hope I'm saying it right. It's Jason D. Peter, I think I'm saying that right. Hope so, Jason. It's so interesting to me. I correspond with all of you people on on social media all the time, but when I have to say your names out loud, having only ever said them in my head, I never know if I'm saying them right. Anyway, Jason is in this band called The Scroll, and uh, he submitted a song called No Power from an album that they put out last year. I looked it up on Spotify. The name of the album is... Something doppelganger. What is it here? The doppelganger is unburdened by the scroll. It came out last year. The song is called No Power. Let's go out with that one. And again, anything else anyone wants to submit, please do. Uh, Thanks, Yan, for another recap. We'll do it again in three months.